Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm Keegan Preslak. I'm Eric Hoff. And this is a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico get together once a month and uh, talk about horror movies. Correct. Hello, Eric. Hello, Keegan. How are you? Um, I had a great day. I, had, uh, I was off today. How are you doing? Well, you look sweaty right now. I've been skating. <laughs> Uh, I'm doing good. I'm I'm excited to be recording this podcast. It's like, I feel like this has taken us longer than it should have, but nobody cares about that. We're excited. We're here. Uh, what's our episode about? Our episode, thank you for asking. It, it's about uh, Halloween, the franchise. Yeah, and this is obviously the month of October. And not only is this our Halloween episode, but this is also our two-year anniversary episode. How about that? Yes, it is. I can't believe we made it. Yeah. Thank you to anybody out there that's uh, actually listened to our podcast. Just listen, bought a shirt, or simply just hit us up on our social media. Yes. Thank you to everybody. Yeah. Let's do some quick shout outs Let's here. Do it. Roll into that. Uh, so first of all, I think it was on our last episode, we got a new review, and it was from a man named Chris Lentz. Correct. And I was like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Well, it turns out it was Film Fed. Yes. A buddy of ours. Um, we've Full only, squad devotee. Yes, we've only known him to this point as Film Fed, so we just didn't know his name. Right. Uh, but I theorized we knew him, and we did. So, uh, Film Fed, thank you so much for writing your review. And uh, also, you know, everybody out there, just check out filmfed.com. It's a cool uh, ranking website for movies. Absolutely. So, yeah. And he's been super cool to us. He bought a shirt, so thank you so much. And then uh, we, ac- we actually got another review from another buddy of ours who is... Uh, Quickly becoming one of my favorite listeners, especially because he wrote a review. Uh, it is uh, the Horror Nerd, Brian. Oh, nice. At the Horror Nerd on Twitter, and his name is Brian. Let me read his review real quick, and then we'll stop the pleasantries and get into this episode. I haven't heard this yet. But it's great. It's great. So this is uh, the Horror Nerd, at the Horror Nerd, Brian. Uh, he, he said, quality horror podcast. Uh, these guys aren't afraid to share their opinions, even if it's an unpopular one. Keegan points at me during that. I thoroughly enjoy listening to Keegan's thoughtful insights. (laughs) And E-Dog screaming into the mic. Nice. And he put a thumbs up emoji. Ghoul Squad has been at the top of my rotation since the beginning. Most importantly, these guys love horror. The horror nerd. Hell yeah. Thank you, you Brian. I feel like that's like spot on with our Keegan's thoughtful insights. And Did he actually say Keegan? He's, I swear to God, he wrote Kigi's nice. Thoughtful Insights. And that's all because of you, because you always call me Kigi on the pod. Nice. So uh, thank you so much, Horror Nerd. Yeah, uh, very Brian, cool. We really appreciate it. And everybody else out there, what are our normal shout-outs? Uh, Shane, Kayla. Josh Goes to Hell. Josh Goes to Hell. Hellmouth Kid. Jamie. Wes. Jamin. We're missing somebody here. We got a new one this time. What's a new uh, one? Butters Lewis. Yes. Uh, he recently hit us up from, a, I think, a Facebook post that I posted. Yep. And he just said that he... Uh, Digs the pod. Yes, thank you so, for listening, thank you man. For listening, yeah. But it is a really cool guy. So thanks, man. Yeah, that's a guy we actually know in real life. Huh? Yes, you do, right? Yes. All right. So uh, okay, enough of the shoutouts. Thanks everybody so much for listening. Uh, another random uh, note here: we sold three shirts recently. 
and you know we don't we don't sell a lot of these shirts and we don't no, make a lot of money off them or anything not we're just we just want the shirts to get out there so uh we're super excited three shirts sold yeah so if you're one of those three let us know. I know who I know one of them. Do you? And uh, so I'll shout him out here. I'm not sure if he's an active listener, but he's a good buddy of mine. Lucas. Uh he owns Milton's. Milton's oh, Brewing. Okay. Uh Lucas bought a shirt. Okay. So that's super tight. And then I, I kind of have a theory about who the other two are, because they were bought at the same time. Hmm. So uh Just keep rolling. I think I know who it is, but let us know if that was you. You know who I'm talking about. Um so thank you guys for buying those shirts. Let us know who you are. And uh, if you want a shirt, go to tpublic.com and search Ghoul Squad or bit.ly slash Ghoul Squad shirt. And now, after the worst opening of the podcast of all time, would you agree, Mr. This Eric? is also true. Yes. Uh, I think we're good to get into the podcast. This is going to be one of our longest episodes. It's one of our most exciting episodes, in my opinion, because we love the Halloween franchise. Absolutely. But we also have a ton of what we've been watching. We have. Had a lot of time in between episodes to be watching other shit. Yes, and it's along oct- with I try to rewatch uh, most of the films in the uh, franchise. So uh, let's get to it. Yes, it's October, so like we're watching a ton of shit. A bunch of stuff is coming out. So it's the only month that makes any goddamn sense. Yes, out of the whole year. It is. The, it is the only month out of the whole goddamn year. Let me let me just derail. Let's backtrack early. a little bit. Early. No, please go ahead. But you know, we're talking Halloween. We're talking October. We've said before how I'm a mailman. I almost fucking died the other day. Okay. Um, I'm on a walking route. I'm fiddling with the mail, getting prepared for the next uh, address. And these people have a whole bunch of Halloween decorations in their front yard. Absolutely love it. Fire. You know, 100% all for it, you know. Of course. Uh, what these people have in their front yard is like the inflatable uh, I'm, uh, decorations uh-huh. and there's the strings that anchor them down into the ground i didn't see the string and i tripped on it oh my god a giant spider almost took easy out <laughs> it was like a final destination moment like when you tripped over it it, it took it out of the ground and then the spike came out that Flew was in the ground. Up around my yeah. head narrowly missing the, my the, eye. the wind caught the inflatable thing and if then i'm you, gonna the die spike went straight through your head i would love to die by a giant spider yeah if you were gonna die that's how i'd like you to die great so, so tweet us how you would like for me to die. Yes. And with that, thank you so much for that let's, story. Let's, uh, what have we been watching? Yes. Yeah, so first we do what we've been watching. Then we're going to do Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. And then the full on topic, Halloween franchise ranked. So let's get into it. The what we've been watching section. And absolutely. Eric, I want you to go first. Or I, I guess, absolutely will. I guess we're both going first. Oh, I was going to go with another movie, but I know what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you and I traveled to El Paso, Texas. Excuse me. Hell Paso, Texas. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And we watched. No, I say that as a term of endearment. Okay. Uh, and we watched um, Victor Crowley. Yes, Hatchet we did. Four with Adam Green in attendance. Yes, we did. And it was very exciting, wasn't it? It was amazing. To capture a little bit of this experience. Yes. Right after we finished meeting Adam... And right after we had seen the film, we got our pictures and everything. We went out to the parking lot of the Alamo Draft House. We did. And we recorded about five minutes of audio. And I was really excited. Yeah, I'll let you know right here. So it's probably just like nonsense, like whatever uh, is I said. More so nonsense than this right now. Correct, if that's even possible. Yes. And um, yeah, so here are our thoughts shortly after seeing the film and meeting the world's nicest guy, Adam Green. 
All right. Hello, everybody from the Alamo Draft House in uh, El Paso, Texas. Eric and I are sitting out here in my car, and uh, we just met and spoke to for quite a while, actually, uh, Adam Green. Uh, and we just saw Hatchet 4, otherwise known as uh, Victor Crowley. Are you, uh, I don't know, are you pretty excited here, Eric? I am. I'm definitely feeling a bit of uh, something. Um, um, gosh, it was so good. It was fun. Um, unfortunately, there wasn't too many people, but I guess we benefited from it. Uh, we guess we got to talk to him a little bit longer than uh, uh, possible, I guess, in other uh, screenings. Uh, I guess the guy who like does his merch was joking that since Adam couldn't see the line of how long it was, he's going to take more time uh, talking to people. So that was awesome that we got to meet uh, Adam Green. Um, he was talking about how uh, distributors are already talking about wanting to cut some of it. So we for sure saw Victor Crowley in its yeah. complete form. So that's even more uh, fucking exciting. Um, gosh, it was good. What yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I really liked it as well. We'll probably talk about it on the podcast, but here we are sitting out in my car. It's really windy outside. Yeah, immediate thoughts. Immediate thoughts. And like, I just, it was just so cool to meet him and just hang out for like a couple minutes. I was nervous as hell about meeting Adam, but then he was super friendly and super cool. And I shouldn't have been nervous. I was asking yeah. really dumb questions. I mean, you know, I've listened to quite a few hours of the movie Crypt and like the podcast. And we've seen his movies. So it's, I don't know, it's intimidating, but he couldn't have been a nicer guy. He couldn't have been a better experience. I mean, they did a Q&A after the movie. With Lucky McKee. Uh, I kind of feel like I like Hatchet more now simply because Adam was a nice guy. Yeah, that's how I felt when I, uh, I'll tell the story maybe, I don't know, uh, I met him when Digging Up the Marrow came out, and I liked Digging Up the Marrow when I saw it, but then I met him at the Blu-ray thing at the Dark Delicacies, I'll have to tell the story, Keegan sitting there in Eric's apartment or whatever, uh, tell that story, but uh, yeah, and uh, it made me like Digging Up the Marrow more, like it made right. me love that film, and I'm not saying, you know, I didn't before, but it made me like it even more. And we even got a little bit of tidbit about the potential future of Digging Up the Marrow, but I won't say anything. Yeah, yeah, we can't say anything about the movie either, and I guess we'll probably explain it on the podcast. But yeah. yeah, Victor Crowley, I liked it a lot, and it was just so cool to like watch it with him in attendance. Like, I, all of a sudden, I said to Eric, "I'm like, oh, if I if like we laugh at like something, like Adam's gonna hear us, and I hope we don't sound like losers here. Like, oh my gosh, Adam Green." Yeah. But we're pretty big fans, and so it was it was awesome. And then he was just so cool, and like like Eric was saying, like it sounds like a weird thing, but like he couldn't see how big the line was because it was like around the corner from where he was. So Adam was just like chilling, right? Like, yeah, how's it going, guys? Oh yeah, you're from Carlsbad, New Mexico. That's cool. Never oh. heard of it, obviously. I mean, like, who does? No, Carlsbad, New Mexico. Exactly. And we're just like, yeah, we're we drove three hours. He's like, oh, he drove three hours. But his merch guy knew about Carlsbad Caverns. Yeah, apparently his merch guy went to uh, Carlsbad Caverns when he was a kid, a uh, national park uh, in our town called Carlsbad Caverns. Yep. But yeah, so it was just cool, and he, he couldn't have been nicer. And we spoke to him about quite a few things, actually, but I can't even remember them right now because I'm... I was making really bad jokes. Which you usually and I, and you I, usually do. So. True, but I don't know if it was if I was uncomfortable or if it was because I was comfortable. No, I it think it was a I mix of know. emotions over there, Da. I was a mix left, of a... I was right, I was up, I was down, I was cold, I was hot. I saw Victor Crowley. So fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh I don't know. I don't know how to wrap it up. Uh what else did he what do we talk about with him and then we'll wrap this up. 
no, I mean, just, I don't know. Just give your thoughts on the film, Doc. Well, well, let's give them on the pod. Okay. But my f- quick fire thoughts are, I really liked uh, Victor Crowley, the fourth hatchet film. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be hard. I'm gonna, we're going to have to figure out ways to talk about it on the pod because we don't want to spoil anything about it. Uh, Adam, Adam asked everybody not to really talk about it, except, except for whether you liked it or not. And you can review the film. Just don't tell people what happens in it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's it felt like a hatchet movie. It felt bigger in certain ways. Like, it felt... Um, like it was about, it felt like it was about a lot of things, which, uh, hatchet films of the past, uh, I, I, I didn't feel the subtext in those films as much. I felt like this one had subtext and I think that's even, that's awesome. Uh, cause this film felt, uh, really like, it felt like Adam, uh, Adam green. And so I really liked that. It felt personal to him. Uh, and that's awesome out of a hatchet movie about this guy, uh, fucking cutting people's heads off. Here he is making this personal film. What do you think, Daida? Um, well, it definitely feels, you know, so uh, Hatchet 1 through 3 is supposed to be one single fucking night. I loved how this is like 10 years later. I didn't think it felt like those hatchets. This, I mean, this is a hatchet film. This is set in the hatchet universe, but it felt different to me, and that was very exciting. Uh, one thing you mentioned was just like how much brighter the film scene, and I agree with you on that, and that was just one thing that made me feel like it was different, and it's, in my opinion, it's positive that it feels different. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think we'll leave it there, and we'll talk about it a little bit on the podcast. But our current thoughts are, I, I loved it. It's great. It's great. Adam's nice. Adam's nice. Okay. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this little snippet. Uh, it probably does not sound very good. but Too I'm wrong, re- probably. I'm recording on my phone. But, uh, yeah, so here we are at the edge of the world at the Alamo Draft House in El Paso, Texas. We just saw. Uh, we're at. We're in hell. Paso, Texas, where uh, this is that's not very nice. Where Victor Crowley just turned it into Slay, Paso, Texas. Okay, and on that note, I think it's been nice talking to you guys. I'm gonna just get out of the car and walk home. I'm looking about a 15 hour walk. All right, Keegan and Eric at Eric's house next to that fridge, making all that noise. Take it away. Mm, that was the refrigerator. Well, thank you, Eric and Keegan, from the parking lot of the Alamo Draft House. Uh, uh, we were very excited in that audio, so I hope you we were. <laughs> I hope you hope that came across. Uh, but here we are, a couple weeks later, and uh, let's talk about it. What did you think of Victor Crowley and the whole experience that we uh, experienced? So it was uh, gnarly as hell. It was so exciting that it came where it came uh, somewhere uh, near us. Yes, uh, I remember when the road show was announced. I was thinking. We're not going to get to fucking uh, see this. Right. Listeners of the show already know we love Hatchet. Uh, we love Adam Green. And this did not uh, disappoint at all. And not only did it like check the lists of like Hatchet gore and Hatchet silliness, but it also felt very different to me. And I appreciated getting thrown for a loop by the new Hatchet film. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. It was... My biggest concern going into a new Hatchet film from Adam was, I don't know why I had this suspicion that it might be amateur, like more amateur than his previous films. And maybe that's because he just had recently done like the found footage type thing with the faux documentary with uh, Digging Up the Marrow, which I like a lot, but it's kind of not, you know, it's shot like faux documentaries. So I feel like we just, we haven't really had an Adam Green film, like a pure film in a long time. So like I was I don't know I just had this suspicion and then we saw it and it was it was it wasn't that at all no it was so rock solid it Absolutely. looked great 
and uh, it looked you know it's obviously low budget, but it looked expensive. Yeah, know? like and I was so uh, I know that's a weird thing to to bring up, but you know he's always talking about on his podcast how his budgets are getting smaller, so it just worried me, and I was so so happy to find out that. Uh, it doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like a completely another hatchet film. It feels like those other three films uh, in terms of its budget and look and stuff. But you're right. It, it is a much different movie. Yeah. And that was exciting. As soon as like it kind of got into the Victor Crowley-ness, uh, like the, the killings essentially. Sure. Uh, I was like, wow, like this is exciting to see that this isn't just that same formula from the three films. Uh, it certainly had pieces of that exactly, in it, but it it was a new spin, and so yeah, I really liked it. Uh, some of the things that stood out to me that felt different from the previous three films was like there's like a humor humorless death, um, just like the lighting. Like there's a moment where they're at the swamp where it's during the day. Um, there's another set that's um, I, I guess you could say all the all the hatchets are single location, but this is there's a single location within. The right. swamp, if that yeah. makes any sense, and that was just really surprising to see uh, a hatchet film in this setting. Yeah, kind of like a, like a, I don't know what you call it, like a bottle film, like where right. everyone's stuck in one place. And, exactly, exactly. You know, um, so that was super cool. And it, what was even weirder was like, uh, you it know, felt angry. Yeah, it certainly did. And uh, I guess I don't. We shouldn't talk about what the film is about, and even like some of its subtext because. You know, everybody should see it. Absolutely. And Adam asked everybody not to talk about the plot and stuff, but um, so it's kind of hard to talk around. But yeah, it certainly felt much meaner, much more pissed off. And like, it just felt like it was trying, he was getting something across and out of himself as, a, as an artist and a director. Right. And that's super. I, I almost feel like that makes the film. Like that, that elevates. Yeah. Cause Once he had I, this yeah. like angry message he was getting totally. across. And that's super cool to Cause like thinking about it out there, you're probably like in a hatchet film. It was like, that's right. what was exactly. That's what was super cool about it was like, here, here's this like big dumb slasher that we like, but it like had, not, I don't want to say something to say. It wasn't a message, no. but it was sort of, a, it was, it was a message about himself. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and that was super cool. Um, and as I was noticing it while we were watching the film, I was like, this is kind of insane that he made the movie like this and not just, uh, you know, another one of these. Right. So, um, you know, I should be clear. It is another one of these, but it has its own spin and voice. And that's right. super cool. And, yeah, it looks different, too. We kind of were talking about that. Right. Um, we may have even talked about it in the audio. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different DP. Uh, the other DP was Will Barrett. And uh, I love him. I met him in, in uh, uh, at Dark Delicacies, and he's such a cool guy. And his films look great. But it was crazy to see Adam work with a new D- DP on these, and it was like much brighter and much more vibrant. Um, it looked different, and it was cool. Yeah. Uh, so the movie just as a whole feels different, but like more Victor Crowley killing people. So it's it's awesome. I think the cherry on the cake uh, for the Victor Crowley cake for me was at the very, very end of the credits, it's dedicated to Wes Craven yeah. and George Romero, which is something he has stated uh, plenty of times yeah. uh, about uh, Victor Crowley. But that was awesome to even like see that uh, in the film. Yeah, for sure. It's just super cool. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we're big fans of the Hatchet franchise, so we were probably going to like it anyway, but I was it's also pl- true. pleasantly surprised uh, from the opening all the way to the end that it, it, it felt like kind of a bigger movie than I was expecting. Right. So, uh, yeah, Victor Crowley. 
pro- yeah, definitely going to make my yeah uh, top 2017 list. It's kind of weird that we saw it. Like here we are on our in your kitchen in Carlsbad, New Mexico, and we've seen Hatchet Four. Isn't that weird? Like, yeah, but we're not the only people who have seen it. I know that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we weren't um, at some elusive. Test screening. I wasn't saying it was exclusive. My point is, a month ago, there was no Hatchet 4. Right. How crazy here is that? we are, sitting in your kitchen, and we're reviewing Hatchet 4 right. on this. I, rem- I remember you texted me, like... Yeah. There was the night he was going to make that announcement at the 10th anniversary screening. I said, what if this is and a And you're giving me all your wild-ass theories, and one of them was, <laughs> what if it's just Hatchet 4? And, that, and I was like, okay, best-case scenario, and it was... And we got Hatchet to see Ford. it. Yeah, we've already got to see it. So I'm like itching to watch it. Me too. Again. Me too. I can't yeah. wait for that Blu-ray. That's that's gonna be very exciting. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, two huge thumbs up. Oh, one last quick, quick quick thing. You got we got our pictures with them, which was the best part. But you also got a poster. I did. Uh, uh, one of the tour uh, posters. Yes. Um, and I, I say this in the audio, but he was just like so like friendly. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because like the line of the people. Uh, who were waiting to meet him uh, were behind a wall so he couldn't see them. Yeah. And he was just like taking his time uh, with us and his uh, merch guy when I was like uh, paying for the poster. He joked, he's probably being so cool and taking his time because he doesn't see how many people (laughs) are waiting uh, to meet him. Yeah. But yeah, it was just like super awesome. I feel like everything we said to him was uh, returned with a smile. Yeah. And, you know, a head nod. And it was, it was great. Yeah, we even got to ask him, like, didn't you ask him, like, a stupid question? I, I can't even remember what it was about now. I did. Oh, so we were, we it were was kinda... fucking terrible. So it's kind of a spoiler for Victor Crowley, so I'm not going to say this, okay. actually. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, I was making bad jokes and bad comments to Adam Green left and right, and I had a blast. Well, uh, yes, so Victor Crowley, we love it, and we love Adam Green, and so there you go. Uh, as you once told me years ago, uh, and I think it applies to both of us, we attend the church of Adam Green. So, what's next? Let's do another what we've been watching. All right, well let's let's talk Gerald's game. Let's talk Gerald's game. This is Mike Flanagan's new hit. Yes, it is. Uh, it came out this month. Is that correct? October? Yeah, I think so. Uh, October first, I think it was. Okay. Uh, this is a Netflix original uh, based off a Stephen King book of the same name yes uh never even fucking heard of the book until um the film dropped and i'm about to say some shit okay about gerald's game okay then you go first let's hear some shit about gerald is already seated everybody else listening i hope you're seated because i'm about to say some shit (laughs) about gerald's game all right here we go good shit give us some shit about Gerald's Game. It is the scariest fucking film I have seen this year. I legit had nightmares. I legit like woke up. Like, okay, so, you know, I watch the film. I go to bed hours later. I wake up to pee. And I'm like nervous because of how fucking scary Gerald's Game was. Right. And there's like some, uh, there's like some other shit in it. But I'm talking about a character in the film. Really? It was that scary to you? Yeah, fucking terrified me. And it wasn't her father. No. Although he was fucking <laughs> he was terrifying as evil well. Evil as well. Yes. Yeah. So I fucking loved Gerald's game. Yeah. 100%. Man, goddamn. I thought it was just great. 
Give me your thoughts on Gerald's game. Yes, I uh, loved it as well. I didn't find it, you know, I was creeped out by some of the scenes. I guess we shouldn't like spoil because it does have like the premise is, is sort of simple. And I feel like it there's is. there's more going on than just that premise. And so I don't think we should spoil it. But yeah, those those sequences, uh, especially towards the end, they certainly scared me, but not, not to the extent that you're saying. But uh, the movie as a whole is just sort of kind of unexpectedly incredible like yeah, it's so good because you know and this happens a lot with these like you know film in a again in a bottle uh type things where you're stuck in one location and so you don't really expect a lot like uh, i br- i would think of stuff like phone booth or even buried is an interesting movie or shout out phone booth larry cohen yes uh 10 cloverfield lane is obviously really good we love that but you know she's chained to the bed right handcuffed but I feel like her performance carries everything. And then uh, Bruce Greenwood's performance, uh, her husband, uh, carries a lot of the film as well. Like, this is such a smart way to do this where basically she's talking to another version of herself and, like, basically through, like, visions. Is it fair to say she's hallucinating? Right. And But it gives her stuff to play off of while she's essentially by herself chained to a bed. Correct. Um, so it's like the smartest way to do this. And I don't know if it was like that in the book, but even if it was like, that's a hard thing to achieve in a film for that to make sense enough and for it to feel, uh, like it's actually happening in the film. And it did. And so I loved that whole aspect of it. And then just sort of like this insane subtext that goes on. And then like the flashbacks with the flashbacks with her family, and like her dad and that whole thing. Like, you know, I, I say this a lot, but it just kind of blew my mind that it went to all those places. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I, I just think it's, it's a really well-made movie and Mike Flanagan's kind of insane. Like, I feel like everything he's done is really good or good. Um, so like I think of Absentia, which was his first film that I really like. And then Oculus, I think is a great movie that I feel like more people should think is great. And then uh, Ouija 2, which blew our minds last year. Was that last year? That was last year. Yeah, that movie is great. Don't forget Hush. Hush, uh, which came out before that. And Hush is good. And then here we are with Gerald's Game. Like, that dude has a solid filmography. Yeah. He's sort of like quickly becoming kind of like a master of horror right now. Like I agree. this era, you know? I feel like more people need to be jocking him. Yes. Um, so yeah, Mike Flanagan's Gerald's game. Yeah. Uh, so it's tight. You know, it's another Stephen King property that's doing really well. Um, you know, came out right after it. And apparently they had no idea that it was going to come out like two weeks after like the highest grossing film of the year, essentially. And it was also Stephen King. Right. Um, apparently that wasn't like planned. It was just like, Oh yeah, it's going to come out October 1st. They shot the whole thing and they're like, Oh, it, it looks like it's coming out a little bit after it. That's interesting. And then, boom, it's like the biggest thing in the world. And then, boom, Netflix has Gerald's Game. Um, Do you think that helped it? Do you think that brought people's uh, attention to it? For sure. Because we're kind of in the king of sense, you know? Sure. So, uh, it's super cool. So, Gerald's Game, awesome. What do you want to do next, Doc? Oh, let's talk uh, Super Dark Times. Okay. So, uh, the day after we saw Victor Crowley at the Alamo Drafthouse, we went back for more. We did. And we saw Super... We also ate Chick-fil-A twice. Yes, we did. And it was fantastic. I would have gone a third time. Thank God it wasn't Sunday because they were open. Um, Rat bastards. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Ring endorsement, (laughs) (laughs) Chick-fil-A. So, Super Dark Times. 
Uh, Not a horror film, but it had some horrific shit. elements. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yes. Um, this was you, a this was a white remake of Juice. You Juice tell me about is Super a nineties uh, Omar Epps and Tupac film, in which a group of friends go to rob a convenience store, and one of the friends uh, shoots and kills um, the clerk. So now the friends can't go to the police because they were involved in the robbery. And the kid who killed um, the clerk slowly starts going crazy and killing off the other kids. Uh, Super Dark Times, similar premise. Yes. Group of kids hanging out. One of them accidentally dies. The kids are trying to freak, are trying to figure out how do we cover this up. Of course, being in fucking high school, you probably don't have the best plan to do that. Right. Uh, so Super Dark Times is directed by Kevin Phillips. I guess it was his directorial debut, which really? is kind of insane. And uh, I, this is one of my favorite movies of the year already. Um, it's sort of like my worst nightmare. Like I was trying to tell you after we saw it, like my nightmares are like stuff like this. Where, where you could possibly get into a lot of trouble. Yeah, where you could like go to jail or get in trouble. Like I'm kind of a kid that doesn't get in trouble or didn't get in trouble really. So like the thought of like being in this situation, which you just sort of detailed, um, where you know basically someone dies that you're there for it, but right. then like everyone's like we should cover it up, and so it's sort of like this, uh, like thing on guilt basically, and like eating away at this kid that knows this thing happened. People are looking for this kid that's dead, and he just isn't saying anything about it. And then the movie goes completely insane and becomes like this psychotic like serial killer thing. Right. And so I'm not going to detail it any further than that, but like, I just think this is a multi-layered movie that just blew my mind. And it's also, um, set in the nineties. Right. So uh, there's no cell phones or social media. Exactly. And they're playing mortal Kombat, or actually they're playing twisted metal, uh, at one point in the film, but it just felt like, you know, this is when I grew up, uh, right. is exactly when it's set, which is in the nineties and, uh, late nineties. It looks like to me, uh, especially if it's twisted metal on a PlayStation. So that's like 99, but, uh, yeah, something as simple as, you know, Hey, we got a new phone line installed so you can yeah. have your own phone number and talk on the phone all night. Like that happened to me, me and my brother had our own phone number, uh, so we could call people and shit. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't know why I'm still going on it. Super dark times. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. It's definitely going to be probably on my top 10 this year of just films. Um, like you said, it's not exactly horror, but I feel like it fits in with quite a few horror things. And I feel like by the end, like the last 20 minutes, it's a big time horror situation. Um, Gerald's Game and Super Dark Times are two recent films that I watched where I actually cringed at the violence. Yeah. It was like, oh my God. And I'm like, a, you know, during Victor Crowley, I'm like, this is great. And I'm laughing and I'm having a great time. But the way it's portrayed in those two films, I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm like gritting my teeth. It's because it's like realistic violence versus like comical violence, right? You know? um, yeah, but I mean, give me people ripped in half, please. Yes, uh, we didn't really talk about that. Like, we don't have to say what happens, but this scene in Gerald's game is kind of like a phenomenon right now. Is it? Uh, we don't have to talk. I think about... I saw like videos where like people are like watching that. Exactly, scene. it's like yeah. reacting to that scene. Uh, and I just have to say. Uh, it's so goddamn good. My the body part that's that this happens to was like hurting for like an hour after I saw this scene. Okay. Was killing me because of it just it's like the most horrific thing I've 
seen in quite a while in film. So um, that's Gerald's game. But Super Dark Times, please. Uh, I think everybody out there 100% re-endorse it for me. And I feel like I liked it more than you did. But um, yeah, Super Dark Times. I loved it. Yeah. So good. what else, Eric? Uh, I think another one that we both saw, we didn't see this together, uh, was Happy Death Day. Yes. Uh, this was a slasher film that's currently killed it at the box office, yes. which is exciting. It was like four million to make, and it made like twenty six. Currently killed it. Do you get yeah. it? That's awesome. You know what? I wasn't going for that pun, but but fuck yeah. Okay, so tell me about uh, Happy Death Day. I just talked a lot about Super Dark Times. Sure, Happy you go. Death Day is the premise of uh, this girl. Uh, she's in college. She's reliving the same day over and over. And at the end of the day, she's murdered. So it's a slasher film, I guess, with one victim. Yeah. And so she's trying to figure out how can she stop uh, this from happening? Does she have to discover who the killer is? Does she have to stop uh, the killer? And what made me really like it is this is like the first slasher film that I would define as fucking sappy. Sure. There's a message that she learns and it's a positive one. And while it's like corny and cliche and in your face, I really appreciated that it had this positive message in the film. So not only do we get this fun, silly slasher, we get a positive message. And uh, I totally dug it for that. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Uh, You know, it's basically Groundhog Day as a slasher, correct? right? And so basically that's it. That's the film is Groundhog Day as a slasher. But I had a blast watching this thing. Like, I know I say that a lot, but this one in particular is just fun. Yeah. And I don't say that in a disparaging, like sometimes people say, oh, it was fun. And they they don't want to say something was bad. This is fun. I was laughing out loud at jokes that no one else was laughing at. And I was like, fuck, why isn't everybody else laughing? I feel dumb, but this is great. Yeah. I had a, I had a blast. Um, and, and I, maybe this is the time to talk about it ourselves, but I feel like everybody's talking more about like the audience, of this film and like their crowds more than they're actually I, talking about. I got about something to film. say about it. And it's kind of frustrating to me because like every, every review I've read about this or talked about is always about like, Oh, it's like for teens and like teens, teens, teens. And there are all these teens in my movie. Who gives a flying fuck who was in your movie? There was, was it good or not? There was genuinely like eight, nine, 10 year olds. Yeah. You know what? With, uh, like I totally get, I mean, I always knew this, but then like actually visualizing it, now I understand why they make PG-13 horror films. Because, they because they're getting out. those tickets. Yes, absolutely. Um, the dude I was with, we were genuinely the oldest people in the crowd not accompanied by a parent. Yes. Uh, so I would, same thing at my screening. I mean, there was like 50 kids that filed in behind me and they never, they didn't shut the fuck up the whole time. But I think I had a more rowdy crowd for Happy Death Day than I did Victor Crowley. What about our crowd for Super Dark Times? Meaning zero. It was literally Keegan and I. There was a dude who came in at one point. I think he was a worker, But we think he was a worker because then he bailed. Yeah, so I was kind of funny that But we did go to like the 1230 showing of Super Dark Times on like a Thursday. Yeah. Uh, So yeah. No, anyways. Uh, Going back to that, uh, you know, Adam's been like posting, you know, how like rowdy and rambunctious the crowds have been. (laughs) I actually fucking apologized to him because we were just a little bit more... Yeah, yeah it was, I wanted to let him know we may not have been rowdy, but that didn't mean we didn't enjoy the film. Yes, he's talking about our Victor Crowley screening, correct? Uh, which was the crowd was great, like uh, they were real respectful, but uh, it was just very quiet. It was a very quiet screening, which is which is kind of uncommon for a horror movie like that, right? But uh, yeah, uh, Happy Death Day. Um, 
I really liked it as well. This is directed by uh, Christopher Landon. And uh, he also did Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which is fantastic. Yes. And Paranormal Activity, the marked one. The, the marked ones, The yeah. one with uh, the Hispanic kids. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is just a super strong effort, I feel like. Like, if you're going to make a PG-13 movie for teenagers... Uh, this this is a good way to do it because it was really good. Yeah. Um, and I do like the message. You know, I kind of felt myself. I know it's sappy, just like you were saying, but I kind of felt myself like, aw. No, I had no, an exact yeah. same reaction to yeah, it. No, yeah, hundred percent. So I totally agree with with what you were saying in that way. Um, yeah, and I just really like uh the the best part about the movie is this main character played by uh Jessica Roth. Um, I feel like she carries the entire film like, and she has to, cause she's the main character and she has to be like mean at the beginning, but then learn a lesson and stuff like right. that. And I felt like she carried the movie like 100%. If you missed cast that, or if she wasn't good as that character, this thing would suck. So, uh, yeah, just huge shout out to Jessica Roth. I don't even know who she is, but fantastic performance by her yeah and uh yeah a fun slasher a slasher making 26 million at the box office hell yeah very exciting i love that we're just watching new slashers yeah absolutely in the same month you know what we've been super positive okay here we go so let's go not positive let's hear guess what i finally watched what did eric finally i wanted to watch this for our john carpenter episode oh jesus christ i finally saw ghost of mars all right uh, here we go eric coffin saw Ghost of Mars, finally, tell us about it. Finally, got a copy from Netflix. Um, you waited. <laughs> what? Please, you know, tell us about it. So I actually have a reason for that, but I'm not going to explain on the podcast. Uh, you don't want to backtrack? Not this time, because okay. it's not a fun backtrack. My mother is a Jason Statham fan, so I sold it to her as a Jason Statham joint uh, 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 horror action flick. And I don't know how I fucking made it in one sitting. Um, and it was funny because it was like after work. And I thought, you know, I would I was just going to pass out because of how much I was not in, enjoying it. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, it's not good. No, Let's just keep not going. Not good at all. Give me something you've been watching. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, a lot of times we don't talk about things that we saw. So I have one that I don't know if you saw. And it is The Babysitter. Oh, this is the new Netflix. So this is the film. McG, uh, directed film. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things. I've heard a lot of bad things. Tell me what you thought. So I, I watched it uh, about four or five nights ago. Okay. And this was a, you know, I read about this quite a while ago. I guess this is like a blacklist script that like floated around forever, finally got made, was supposed to be a big movie. And then it just never got anywhere. And then Netflix bought it. So I feel like nobody realizes that. Like, it's like, oh, Netflix is the babysitter. Eh, not exactly. This they just is, acquired it. Yeah, this was an acquisition. And this movie's kind of, I, I think it was made quite a while ago. But aside from all that, the babysitter. So uh, you were saying that you'd heard a lot of mixed opinions on this. Correct. And I kind of feel my ultimate opinion on it is mixed. So I liked it quite a bit, but it's also, I don't know how to explain it. Okay, juvenile is how I would explain okay. it. So there's a lot of like, you know, fart jokes. I'm totally cool with that. I don't even know if they're fart jokes, but it's like that type Toilet of humor. humor. Toilet humor and kind of, I don't know, like offensive, like stupid jokes. Like it, it kind of seems like it was targeted for teenagers in a weird way. Let me ask you this. The perception that I'm getting of it from like the trailers is that it's supposed to be like a little like satanic thing. Does yeah. it deliver on that front? 
Not really. Oh, so that's I should explain what you know what the babysitter's about. This kid, he's a loser at school. He gets picked on all the time. Oh, so the film's about you? Yes, hundred okay. percent. And he is, and the kid, the only person that's like super cool in his life is his babysitter. And he wishes he didn't have a babysitter because all the kids his age don't have babysitters anymore because they're old enough to take care of themselves. But this kid's such a loser that uh, he still has a babysitter, but she's played by Sam Weaving, and this is the girl that's going to be in uh, Joe Lynch's movie, Mayhem. Correct. So, uh, and she's, you know, incredibly hot. She's attractive, and he wants to get with his babysitter. So, like, uh, this night happens where his parents leave, and he has a babysitter again, so she comes over, and then hilarity ensues. Uh, he begins to suspect that his babysitter is having orgies, which he doesn't know what an orgy is, uh, in his living room while he sleeps. So he sneaks down to see what they're doing, and it's not an orgy. It's like some kind of satanic sacrifice, and it gets bloody and crazy from there. I mean, that um, sounds good. Yeah, and it's a great premise, and it is pretty good, but I just felt I just felt mixed on it. It felt kind of, like I said, juvenile in the sense of like, you know the super quippy, cool dialogue of like Diablo Cody. Sure, that's what it felt like. That's what they're and going that for. either that either works big time or it doesn't. And I felt like this. I just said it either works or it doesn't. I felt like this was in the middle. Sometimes it worked really well, and I was like, oh, that was f- fun and cool or whatever. And then sometimes I was like, eh, whatever. So, the babysitter. Uh, I feel like everybody should see it because it's free on Netflix and it's there's a lot of blood in this film. And, oh yeah, and that's cool. So. I did like it, but I didn't love it. So, babysitter. It, it bums me out that I feel like everybody's already gotten to it, and I haven't. Yeah. So, I was really excited to watch it. Like I said, I didn't love it, but I did like it. So, recommendation for me, but won't, certainly won't make my top list at the end of the year. So, babysitter, give me another from you. Sure. The house is October built. Okay. Uh, this is the I've first avoided time. this one. So, t- really? please tell me okay. about it. Yeah. Um, well, the motivation I got to watch this film was because uh, Shane Saw, and it's probably paranormal, were uh, posting about watching uh, the new one. So, yes, uh, took their recommendation and uh, I watched it. Uh, it's a found footage film. Uh, it's about these uh, group. They're not kids. They're like maybe our age. Uh, they're going on a cross country trip uh, to look for, I'm going to use air quotations, uh, extreme Haunted houses. You know, they want to look for shit that is uh, really going to scare them. Right. And that's uh, kind of popular right now. So it's topical. So they start hearing about, there's like a troop, I guess let's call them. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to say performers, ahead uh, by this guy named Blue Skellington, who has this haunted house. But like to find out where it is, um, it's like super tough. So like they spin the film trying to find this Putting haunted house the clues to find it, but they may already be being stalked okay. by blue skeleton and, uh, his crew. So that's like the tension experience in LA, right? Darren Lynn Bowsman's uh thing. that's like that. I just want to know if you like this thing or not. Oh, okay. cause I want to No, I'm, I'm kidding, but I, I, I've, I've been wanting to see it, but I just, I've never pulled the trigger on it. So did Eric Hoff like the so, house? So it culminates Hill? with them finally getting to this house. Okay. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I dug it a lot. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, cool. It was, um, I found it like legit creepy uh, in nice. moments, especially because like a lot of times it's from like their perspective, you know? So like with the jump scares or whatever, you know, you're seeing it 
uh, as they're face. seeing it. Right, yeah. exactly. That's a perfect way to put it uh, in your face. Um, I guess the new one just recently dropped, and I don't know if I'll ever get to that one, but I certainly dug uh, this one. I feel like just like seeing it on Netflix, uh, just like seeing like, you know how like when you slide through films on Netflix, they'll have like a picture or something. Yes. That almost makes it look like shitty. That's why I haven't seen it. Because and I would I, say I always, ignore that. Okay, because I always thought it looked amateur. Yeah, no, like, I feel like that's the impression yes. this film gives off. For like, sure, huh? yeah. But it's uh, it's not some type of fucking masterpiece. No, I, I But it's saying. definitely not and me and you uh, amateur so, hour. Me and you sort of embrace found footage more than most. So, And this is like docu-found footage, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, so. Uh, this definitely gets a thumbs up. Cool. From EDOC. Well, I can watch it this October then. Perfect month to do so. Does it feel like an October, like Halloween film? Yeah, absolutely. Because they're traveling to all these uh, haunted houses. They're going into the haunted houses. Um, They're being chased by people in these freaky ass costumes. Yeah, 100%. Well, that's awesome. That's exciting. Give me one you've watched. That was The Houses October Built, right? That was The Slums (laughs) January Forgotten. Okay. That was very funny. Uh, okay, so I have a rewatch. I did. All right, let's. I rewatched uh, Saw Two okay. with. Uh, I rewatched it with Wes. Hello, Wes. Uh, and uh, we're. I'm trying to get through all of them before Jigsaw. Kind of. They're all up on Netflix. Well, I have the Blu-ray set. Uh, but it's so much easier just to click than to take out a disc. Why is everybody so obsessed with Netflix? Jesus Christ. I mean, physical Says media. Says the guy that watched The Babysitter, by the way. That's physical, me. Oh, and Gerald's fi- Game. Physical media over Netflix. Yes, absolutely. But E-Dog's going for convenience. I'm going for Blu-ray. Quality. I like quality. Um, no, I'm just fucking around. So, okay, I rewatched Saw 2 uh, on its Blu-ray. And uh, so I really like Saw 2. I've always liked Saw 2. Saw 2 is kind of the like thing that kicked this whole thing off. Saw really isn't torture porn. It's not really even part of that genre. I feel like Saw is more of like a detective thriller. And here comes Saw 2 and sort of blew the entire thing open. They spent more money on it. They Donnie Wahlberg. It. Donnie Wahlberg. Um, and then this opens up the franchise to like all this mythology and all this stuff that wasn't in the first film. So this is a huge sequel. And, uh, you know, it's aged not so well. So this film, you know, as with all the soft films eventually do, cause this is the formula, uh, it feels very MTV. Everybody's very pretty in this movie and they're, uh, the editing is very quick and fast and you know, that whole thing, sure. uh, the very saw thing. Um, so it, you know, it hasn't aged as well as Saw has, in my opinion. I, I still think Saw is like a perfect film. I know most people don't think that anymore. I do. Uh, Saw 2, you know, I still love it. But it certainly, I, I think the interesting part to bring it up as a rewatch is this one I feel like has aged, but it's still really good. Um, the uh, pit of syringes. Fuck that. Is still horrendous. Still a great scene. And uh, the, a lot of the other gore is still really good. And it's has, just like sticking in her arm? Yeah, it's awful. Fuck that. And the ending, which I, I'm not going to spoil, but the ending is still really effective and I, really good. I remember being in 10th grade. Uh-oh. 10th grade easy. 10th grade easy. All E-Dog wants to do in 10th grade, all E-Dog wants to do today is skateboard. It's Monday, uh, first period, everybody's talking about... It's the weekend after yeah. Saw 2. Everybody's talking about Saw 2. Yeah, it's, I think it's a good uh, representation of that time because I feel like 
like no one really saw saw in theater uh, true i saw saw in theater but that doesn't matter uh and then everyone sort of found it on dvd dvd was really popular at that time and then saw two was like the biggest fucking movie ever um so that's an interesting it's a super interesting franchise i i've been really wanting to get to three but i was waiting for wes and i don't know maybe i should just i don't know if i'm gonna make it through all of them but i want to uh three is one of my favorites uh i think it's i think it's my favorite saw sequel it's the most disgusting i remember when you were rewatching him like last year a year two it was, ago it was fairly recently um i told you i'm like saw three is the most fucked up saw movie i remember you uh, describing it as goopy it's very goopy uh the director's cuts the best cut of that but um darren lynn bousman darren lynn bousman yeah uh saw two's cool but i love saw three so did you ever get around to abattoir i haven't yet no i still want to I still really want to. So I rewatched Saw 2, still liked it, but it has aged. Give me something else from you. Sure. I'm going to go two now. Uh, I rewatched uh, Curse of Chucky to prepare for Cult of Chucky, and I fucking loved it. When I finally realized what was the cult aspect of Cult of Chucky, uh, I loved it. Um, I did not like where Mancini took it, but I love that he's introducing new fresh ideas into the child's play uh series this was fucking great i loved it um and you're it, talking curse or cult right now i'm talking cult now Cult, okay uh i, I rewatched curse which i do like and i rewatched it just to prepare for uh cult i wanted to watch them all but e-dog ain't got no time um it's a lie that is a lie um so like i was saying i loved it even though i didn't like uh how the film ended up uh, I think it's great and tremendous. That is another fucking new slasher that I got For to sure. watch. Yeah. Are you going to get to it? So I am, but you, okay. I feel like people hear me say this a lot, but I'll try my, do my best. Uh, I want to rewatch all of them before I you. watch it. I, I So I really want to get that set. Dude, I want set. that set too. It's yeah. only 35 bucks. It's not bad, dude. That's cheap as so, hell. Because the cold blue is is fucking 15. Yeah. Spend 20 more dollars, get all the fucking films. No, I'm films. totally going to. Uh, I'm just waiting till I have, you know, 40 bucks to just blow. Sure. But uh, I want to get that set and rewatch them before I watch uh, Colt. So That's definitely uh, a film watch it. Uh, I'll want to talk to you about after you've seen it. Yeah. Where you and I can talk spoilers. Um, you know, I think Child's Play is one of the best horror movies ever made. And I think Child's Play 2 is fantastic. 2 is fire. Uh, I love 2. So, that fucking end scene at the fucking toy factory. Yes. It's so good. So it's good. So, good. Yeah. so um, I really like that series. I just, I want to rewatch them all to get to it. It's been a while. And uh, yeah, just haven't done that yet. But it's super exciting that you like them so much. Yeah. I feel like this is becoming like a phantasm type uh, franchise. Uh, because like now it's like back to the original creators. They're spending less money on it, but it's more about like fan service and like fans. Um, Do you agree? That's actually a great uh, comparison. Yeah. Don Mancini has been involved in all the, yes, uh, that's what I was saying. Yeah. And Don Coscarelli has been involved with uh, exactly all the phantasms. Yeah. Um, That's really interesting. You say that just because I feel like people like hype up Chucky for that reason, but nobody ever says that about, Phantasm. Well, I think it's because the weirdness of that whole. I think Chucky like, is probably more popular. Yeah, he's a big deal than the than the tall man. Yeah, they're definitely both legends and icons. And I think like the weirdness of that release schedule of like the first Phantasm, then they made Phantasm as a big sequel, and then three came out a little while later, spent less money on it, and then four is like a tiny movie. 
and then five is just now like it's a weird franchise in terms of releases yeah so i feel like that hasn't helped that series popularity and i'm sure it also helps that uh uh, universal distributes yeah uh child's play yeah so those get big like you know you can go to walmart and buy that well i guess well go put out ravenger at Uh, at walmart Walmart, but still one of my favorite films of last year so you got any more because i got a few more yeah i've got one more thing to talk about okay and okay previously on the podcast we talked about that we, previously on the ghoul squad previously on the ghoul squad previously on the podcast we sort of made fun of this experience we had at milton's which is the local brewery in town uh because you know we had some some technical issues setting up this uh screening that they were doing that uh our, my buddy jameson hello was doing a body bags and uh, we sort of made you know we were making light of the whole situation so i wanted to give an update on this so uh he organized this screening of uh friday the 13th part four on 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 friday the 13th correct which was uh last friday and uh so i went and it's fucking awesome now so he got this screen made up that they're hanging what's up so i wanted to ask you about this but i wasn't going to bring it up on the pod but since you've done so i'm going to bring it up to you what was the group of people like okay so uh well let me talk about the thing real quick i'll tell you about the, the the crowd so uh, the it's just way better. He did it inside this time, oh, and nice. he he they they like made this canvas screen to project onto, and they have the projector and everything set up already. And then he just played it off. I hope I'm not revealing his secrets. Uh, they just played it off a Fire Stick, uh, and rented it from Amazon. So they did. Oh. They literally, he literally just had a remote click click click, and it was playing. And they had speakers behind the like this big kind of karaoke speaker behind the screen. It was great. So. Uh, I watched the whole film there and part four is fucking incredible. Um, the crowd, uh, was cool. Like there was some people that were there people actually watching it. There were, but they didn't, they kept, they thought it was Friday the 13th, quote unquote. They didn't know it was part four. Sure. Uh, and that was actually, I had recommended, uh, my buddy Jameson to show part four on Friday the 13th. Cause he said, I'm going to show Friday the 13th. And I said, you should probably show four, the most popular, and because it features Jason very well. Where if you would have showed the first one, where's Jason? I thought this was Friday the 13th. Because he's not in the first one, right? Correct. So I thought that was a good idea. And it went over well. It was fun. People were like, is that Crispin Glover? Is that is that, is that, is that Marty McFly? Nobody said, not Marty McFly. But nobody you know. said, is that a dead fuck? Yeah, nobody said that except me. Uh, so, yeah. And then there was like these old people that like were watching it. And it was funny because like, Anytime there was like big gore or something, I would always just look over at them and they were just like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, so it was a blast. So just wanted to give a big shout out to our hometown brewery. That's my high- friends from high school, uh, Milton's Brewing in Carlsbad, New Mexico, because uh, it was such a cool screening. So thank you, Jamie, for doing that. And uh, yeah, that's it for me, actually. So give me what else you have for what you've been watching. You have a, quite a big list over there. I do, uh, but we've gone through uh, most of them. Uh, one I want to talk about is uh, Boys in the Trees. Yes. Um, this is available on Netflix and I think a great month to watch as it's set uh, on Halloween night um, as well as featuring kids who are in high school um, similar to Super Dark Times. Uh, the film is set in Australia and in the film Halloween is the last day of school. I don't know if that's true or if that's just simply uh, in the film. 
So we follow this group of kids led by Corey and Django. Uh, Corey is our protagonist and Django is his best friend. And all these kids do is skate. And at first I was like, fuck yeah, it's Halloween night. These kids are just gonna skate. I'm feeling this. We get to learn more about these characters. And Corey's best friend, Django, is just an absolute dick. He's unchained. He's just, uh, there you go. He's just a fucking bully. So after school, they're hitting up the park. Terrible fucking editing in this film because like it would like show a kid like hitting a quarter pipe or a rail, but then it would like cut away. And, I, and in my head, in my skateboard head, I was thinking like, finish them showing the fucking trick. Let me pause you on this. Go ahead. Have sir. you recently seen? This is completely unrelated. Brink. Have you recently seen the <laughs> Apple commercial with the guy skating? Yeah, Killian Martin. I've been wanting to ask you, is that a real skater? That is a real skater. Okay. Uh, and he's fucking incredible. Uh, well, thank you. Yes. I've been dying to ask you if you knew who that was. Real dude. He skates for Pal Peralta. Nice. Okay. So, please. Boys in trees. Boys in the trees. So, it's after school. They fucking graduate from fucking high school. Uh, Corey, Django, and the rest of the crew. And the rest of the kids, like, in their crew, dicks. All right? And Corey's the only kind of non-dickish kid within this group. So they're hitting up the, the skate park, right? Uh-huh. And uh, there's a part just a, shortly after this scene where they all go hang out at Corey's house. And the dad is like, so what are you going to do tonight? And Corey says, trick or treat, go skate. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> this is what E-Dog wants to be doing. Okay. So anyways. And you're the only like non-dick in your group of friends. Well, thank you. It's a joke. Please so, go ahead. Uh, Hello, Dana. Hello, Andrew. Well, you know those guys. Ben, listen. I know so, that, that's also the joke. It's a bit. Okay, so uh, they're at the skate park. Boys and trees. Boys and trees. They're at the skate park. They're hitting up the park. And there's this kid named Jonah. And Jonah is trying to skate. And Django goes to hit this trick. And when he's riding away from it, him and Jonah collide. And Django, being the prick that he is, he socks Jonah real hard he socks him he socks him real hard he falls down he's bleeding you know everyone's kind of like making fun of him you can see jonah's ashamed embarrassed he takes off so what we later learn in the film that Corey and jonah when they were children were like best friends okay, okay. so cut to a little later in the night they're at a graveyard uh they're drinking and um, the only proper thing to do in a graveyard. Correct. On Halloween it's, it's Halloween night. night correct. Absolutely. So there's this girl that Corey likes and the girl kind of walks off alone in the distance and Corey goes to follow her. He's kind of talking to her. He's trying to hit her up. And then Django comes and just completely spoils the moment. So Corey's like, fuck this. And he bells on them. So he's cock blocked by the prick Django. Yes. Correct. So Corey decides to go back to the skate park. And the only person at the skate park is Jonah, the kid that's bullied. And you can see that Jonah can rip himself. And it's tight because he's in, like, uh, costume. He's in his Halloween oh, nice. costume. Oh, that's tight. That's as tight. he's skating. Right. And so he's skating by himself, and, and I guess he thinks that he's uh, alone. And when he sees that Corey is watching him, uh, and he's in the middle of trying to hit this front tail on this quarter pipe, he falls and he hits his head. And so Corey goes to see if he's okay. And Jonah tells him, you got to walk me home. And at first, Corey's like, fuck, no, I'm not going to walk you home. And Jonah's like, I just hit my head. You know, what if something happens to me as I'm walking home? So he kind of like guilt trips him into walking home. So it's Halloween night. Mm -hmm. They're walking home together. 
And you learn that when they were children, they used to play this game called Cocoitus. And on Halloween night, when they'd play this game, they would say it again. Cocoitus. Okay. They would intentionally try to freak each other out. So they decide as they're walking home, they're going to play Cocoitus. So as the night progresses, they start rediscovering their friendship. They start bonding uh, again. Uh, Of course, there's hiccups in the road, and Django certainly isn't happy that Corey uh, isn't around. And the film progresses uh, with them rediscovering their friendship. Now, initially, I didn't like uh, this film, but like now that I've had time to sit on it, and now that I'm talking about it, I will say uh, that I dug it. And if you're looking for a film just to give you a Halloween vibe, Boys and Trees does an excellent job. Well, that was an extremely thoughtful review. Surprising from you. <laughs> no, I'm just I, kidding. <laughs> thank you. I, I know usually I'm, I got nothing to say, but I guess no, I liked uh, Boys and Trees. Shall I keep going? Because I've got a few other things. Yes, you my... should. But I think that film's available on Netflix right now, isn't it? Correct. That's how yeah. I, uh, I I follow the film's Facebook. So and if they you recently post. Check this out. It's on Netflix. Correct. Uh, and that is something I recommend you do. Uh, just, Give me another one. Okay. I actually only got two more. I'm ready. And these are from my favorite film director of all time, Lucio Fulci. Joe Zito. Uh, not Joe Zito. I get the joke because you're just talking about the final chapter. Lucio Fulci. Uh, Lucio Fulci, yes. Okay, please, uh, go Lucio ahead. Fulci. I love uh, Fulci as well, but you are the resident Fulci fan. Correct. The only one I know, actually. Hey, well, if you know another, you let me know. I'll let you know. Uh, the first one is The Devil's Honey. Okay. This is a new release from Severin. I'm excited to hear about this. I've never fucking heard of this film until Severin announced that they're putting it out. And I think I heard about that announcement because you texted yes, me. Yes, because of that incredible cover art. Yes. Te- describe so, the cover art, please. Okay, so there's a guy playing saxophone on a woman's vagina. <laughs> okay. And that <laughs> happens in the film. That's amazing. 100%. No, I'm sure it does. Um, so I'll, Tell I'll, us about The Devil's Honey, Let me tell Don. you about The Devil's Rejects. It's straight 100 sexploitation. Now, being a Fulci film, there's like no gore in it. And normally, I would be fucking disappointed. But just because the sexual themes are fast and hard. Wow. E-Dog was uh, really uh, fucking digging it. So, it's about this young couple. uh, The couple on... um, The cover. The cover. Right. And the film never says this, but I feel like it's an abusive relationship. Like, this dude constantly wants to fuck... And she doesn't want to, and he's just like real ugly and like mean and like pushing her. Well, when the dude's playing a goddamn saxophone on her vagina. Yes. So something ends up happening to the boyfriend. And uh, he's taken to the hospital, and she's just so upset with what's happened with her boyfriend, she starts putting blame on the doctor who was taking care of him. So she goes and she kidnaps the doctor. And she starts torturing him. And the film kind of escalates to, is she going to fucking kill him or not? And it's about 83 minutes of titties. And it was fucking tight. Is the torture graphic? I wouldn't describe it. Okay. As, then as it's graphic. not. If you're not going to describe it as graphic, it's not. 
Um, but you know, there's like, there's like a part where she's like beating him over the head with an ax and he's like bleeding okay. uh, from it. But it's not like Fulci. No, it's goop. no, it's no way. No. Okay. Which, like I said, I would be disappointed if it wasn't for, uh, the other sexual themes. Well, while I understand this sounds basically like a sexploitation porn and it is, um, let me just ask you point blank. Would you recommend this? Absolutely. Okay. Nice. And okay. it's like 83 minutes. So it's just like, that's awesome. Super fast. Uh, and what's funny is the film eventually reaches its climax. Oh, okay. And that was a pun that was intended. And the last one I got is Don't Torture a Duckling. Okay, let's uh, hear This it. is a recent blue from Arrow. This is a Fulci I had seen before, but it had been a real minute. Arrow, send us free Blu-rays. I wish. Uh, this is one of Fulci's, uh, I'm going to call it a gyla. It's so fucking good. Wow, okay. I completely cool. forgot like um so there's there's this small italian village and somebody is killing off little boys like eight nine or ten yeah okay and um you know there's the usual suspects and you learn that there's a witch in the village and of course everybody wants to blame uh the witch uh they start a witch hunt so they do as you do they do uh and this news reporter played by tomas milan now the first time i watched this film i didn't know who the fuck tomas milan but years have passed since then, and I got into spaghetti westerns. And Tomas Milan is one of my favorite spaghetti western actors, so it was fucking awesome to see him in a Fulci uh, film. He teams up with one of the local—I don't want to call her a prostitute, but she's a little loose—to uh, try to try, uh, okay. to, try to solve uh, pun intended or this not. series of murders. Now, it's not like overly gory film, but the gore that is there is fucking tight, dude. Wow, and okay. just the way. That like uh, when the murderer is revealed, like the revelation, there's this like voiceover while this like gore is going on. And there's this like um, beautiful ass fucking music. The dude who composed the music is the dude who composed um, Goodbye, Uncle Tom and Cannibal Holocaust. Wow. Um, it's so fucking cool that Riz I... Riz Ortolini or whatever. Yeah, I wasn't going to try to pronounce yeah. his name because you know I'm bad at that. Well, his uh, Cannibal Holocaust score is one of the best ever. Right. Um it's just so fucking cool that as soon as like that revelation is revealed that like I watched it again because it's just this cool combination of music and gore and it's kind of startling who the killer was. It's one of Fulci's best, dude. That's awesome. I yeah. love Don't Torture a Duckling. I need I to see Fulci, it. I love Fulci. I love titties. I love gore and skateboarding. Eric That's Hoff for E-dog president. <laughs> 2020. In, in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Uh, well, that's incredible. I want to see uh, all of Fulci's films that I can. I know some of them aren't as good. True. Uh, I'm really, I really want somebody to put out his musical, Murder Rock. True. Uh, and I think Code Red is going to, but Code Red is shady and doesn't talk about their releases. So, right. Um, oh, I got but one that's more awesome. Thing. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, the new season of Riverdale yes. started. Uh, I won't say much because you hadn't gotten to it, but I'm so excited to be back with these, those characters. Good ass looking characters. Yes. Yes. So that's what I got for what I've been watching. Awesome. Well, that was an incredible what we've been watching segment. Yeah, that was good. Um, we've been seeing some bangers, and we got more to come. Yes, we do. We got Jigsaw coming up. Can't wait. What else do we got this month? Leatherface on Friday, but apparently it's a turd. Yeah. No, I've heard it's good, but... I'm hearing mixed. So, like, the main thing I heard is that it's it's not really TCM-y, but mm. if you like uh, French extremism, it's good. That's Which fantastic we love to hear. French extremism. So I'm excited. I was looking at its IMDb page, and apparently the motherfucker 
who plays Iron Fist in the Marvel Netflix oh, shit. Really? He's in it. And like, I, I haven't seen Iron Fist, but I did watch The Defenders. But like, I'm kind of happy that I know somebody going into that film. Yeah. So I look forward to it just simply on that. And it's fucking, it's a new slasher. Yes, for sure. We love, and that's another thing E-Dog loves. From the guys that did Inside. Like, correct. I saw Among the Living that I talked about in here and I loved it. True. Um, And so, yeah. The, you know the, what's fucking cool? What's fucking cool? Is found footage 3D is going to be on yes. Shutter later this month? Yes, and that they're is. sending out, I guess, X number of glasses to. Yeah, but red and blue glasses suck. True, but that's still exciting. No, it's a cool gimmick for sure. Yeah. Shutter sponsors. So, yeah, so much to look forward to. Yeah, it's also nice, uh, it's the, nice to have a reason to wake up in the morning. Isn't can, it? Isn't it? Uh, the Snowman comes out this weekend. Dog, is, it has a 26 on Rotten Tomatoes right now, and that's I wish so. I wish you wouldn't have told me that. I didn't know that. Because that's one I want to see. Yes, I really like those two. I hope two. it comes to our little ass theater. I really like those two actors. One is obviously Michael, Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. The best dude ever. That sucks that it has a 26%. I hadn't heard that. Thank you for ruining my fucking weekend. That's what I'm here for. Yes. Uh, so I think that's it for what we've been watching. Like yeah. I've said, it's that was quite a quite a run there. Quite a run. Should, should I do my terror tunes? Yes. So... It is now time for my favorite part of the podcast where you don't want to sing and I want to sing. You sing it, G. And it's Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. Come on, give me one of them. Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. Okay. Please so proceed. For this episode of Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. Which is what? Tell us what it is. It is where I try to bring light to bands in the horror punk scene. And I tried to relate them in whatever the fucking episode topic is about. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. You are welcome. So the band I want to shed some light on is The Bad Hormones. That's spelled W-H-O-R-E-M-O-A-N-S. There's a horror punk website called The Dead House. And they recently put out a compilation. And that is how I discovered The Bad Hormones. Their track from the compilation, Morningside obviously about Phantasm, was the standout track. So I decided to buy whatever album of theirs with that song on it. Uh, none of their albums actually had that song, so I blind bought their 2009 album, Say What Again. I'm not sure if that's a reference to Sam Jackson, but I'm certainly okay with it. The standout track from this album and why I bring them up for this episode is called Haddonfield Horror 2, No Description Necessary. Other bangers off Say What Again include Better Off Dead, I Don't Want to Be at Work Today, Casket Co., Smoke and Mirrors, Splatterhouse, and Within the Woods. Check out The Bad Hormones. And that is what I got 
for this episode of Coffin's Territory. Now, I'm thinking about just leaving Ghoul Squad and just doing a straight Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes podcast where I just talk music for 10 minutes and the episode's over. Who would produce it? Uh, not you. <laughs> well, so it would never get made then. Yep. Uh, that was an incredible Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes segment. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. And I think now it's time to get to our main feature attraction presentation, if you will. And that is the entire Halloween franchise ranked. Ranked, correct. <laughs> So before we rank the entire Halloween franchise, Mr. Eric Coffins, yes, uh, I thought it would be fun to just throw out some of our favorite films to watch on or around Halloween. Okay, good uh, idea. Whether or not they're from the franchise. <clears throat> so our first recommendation that I wrote down here is just Trick or Treat. Right, Obvious choice? Tri- uh, completely obvious. I watch it every year on Halloween since, I think, 2009. Uh, I've watched it every year on the 31st. And uh, Trick or Treat, you know, obviously most of you have seen it. If you have not seen Trick or Treat, please kill yourself. Go, <laughs> go watch it. This is a film like we recommend a lot of things here, but this is one where it's like you're insane. Please watch Trick or Treat. So that's one of our favorites, of course. I also wrote down Halloween and Halloween Three. Um, I think they're the two best. You know, Halloween I watch almost every year. I usually do a double feature. And it's usually Halloween trick or treat Halloween three. I just think it's a perfect Halloween, uh, the holiday Halloween film. Uh, and then tales of Halloween is a recent one. Uh, tales of Halloween. You like tales of Halloween? You know, I've only seen it once. I watched it last year when, uh, the blue drop, that's something I want to try to fit in this month. I watched it two years in a row. It's great. It's perfect Halloween, uh, movie. And, uh, I also put down hocus pocus. Definitely. Cause I love hocus pocus. And uh, the last one I have here is Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. And uh, we've talked about it before. What's so cool is, I don't know, for whatever reason, because they're watching it in Halloween, in John Carpenter's Halloween, it just feels like the Halloween film, even though it doesn't take place on or have anything to do with the holiday. Sure. But it just feels like, especially because it's black and white, it takes you to, like, that creepy place. So Night of the Living Dead. Of course, we're talking about George Romero's original film. So, uh, Trick or Treat, Halloween, Halloween 3, Tales of Halloween, Night of the Living Dead, and Hocus Pocus. Those are our Halloween recommendations. Uh, I wrote that last minute, so there you go. All right, let's get to the franchise of Halloween. And uh, I think it's best to start off with uh, why do we like the Halloween franchise? Simple as that. Why do we like it? So, Eric, give me something here. So, one of the reasons I like uh, the Halloween franchise I feel like out of all the other big uh, slasher names, yes, would you agree with me that Halloween put out... Now, there's some turds. Of course. But it has the most consistent quality. I um, feel like it does, yeah. Among the other. Making this list, actually, I realize there's really only two out of the original franchise before it was remade that I think aren't good. There's only two to me. And we'll talk about those. Um, so I think you're right. I think it's incredibly consistent. Yeah. And it's definitely the most entertaining, easy to watch slasher 
uh, franchise, in my opinion. It is. And obviously, let's just throw out, you know, Michael Myers, right? So I just am infatuated with Michael Myers in general. Uh, I love the way he looks. I like his... He's never a cartoon character in any of the films. He's right, never no dialogue. Yeah, and in in I don't even think there's films where you root for him, which is which is something I was thinking today. I was rewatching H two O. It's interesting and, you say that. And in most, because I feel like this is why we watch those films. No? I agree. I agree. And I feel like Michael Myers is the one where I don't, I'm not really rooting for him to kill people. And I think <laughs> it might be because I still find him genuinely scary. There's still a mystique about him to me, like. He is a scary force in all the films where like, I feel like the other franchises like Freddy or Jason, you know, they just kind of become just fucking kill everybody. Sure. And I feel like this is the one where it keeps it like in the family for most of the films and like a story, uh, no matter how hokey they are. And he's still a scary force that's going to kill someone that we're supposed to like. Um, where like in in a lot of the other ones, it's just like ki- kids, beautiful kids that die, right? Exactly. And and because each of these films is like about you know Lori or or uh, you know her relatives, essentially, uh, we don't want them to die. So I think that's a good reason. Okay, let me ask you this: of all of the uh, Halloween Michael Meyer Michael Myers films, um, and exclude Halloween three for this question, okay. Which Halloween film gives you the most Halloween vibe? What makes you Fantastic think? Fantastic question. Halloween. When okay. you're watching that Halloween. So I'm just going to go ahead and I feel like I should take out Halloween, the first film okay. uh, from this question. Because to me, um, even though it doesn't feature as much imagery as some of the sequels do of the Halloween holiday, uh, to me it is Halloween. Like you you talked about one time, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis sitting there with the pump, the jack-o'-lantern mm-hmm. uh, on and the, the... And the, just the fucking keys playing. Yeah, that's Halloween to me. That's the holiday of Halloween to me. So let's take that out. Okay. Um, of the rest of them, and not including three, uh, I don't think two is very Halloween-centric. Um, and then from there, four is... And oh, I feel like it eh, might spoil my list a little bit. Um, I think four and six. I'm going six. Yes, four Absolutely. and six. That's the one that gives me uh, a Halloween vibe. Um, just from like the way the film starts when the dad is like cutting down that like wooden... Yep. Um, I don't even know what you want to call it. Yep. Somebody somebody has put up like a wooden figure of like a killer with a knife and it says like Michael's coming home yep. or something like that. And the kids who have put it up, they're in Halloween costumes. And as he walks into the house and the camera's fading back, the leaves are blowing by yep. and you can see their shitty Halloween uh, decorations. decorations yep. you know. uh, there's the part when Paul Rudd finally gets, I can't think of uh, the lady's name, uh, but her and her son to come over uh, to, to his, his house. house yeah. And he's seeing... Michael, the little boy, in front of his house, and Michael standing in front of the Halloween direct decorations. Yep, um, that just makes me feel Halloween, uh, Halloween vibe. Totally, hundred percent agree. And I feel like that is something we will. I feel like that's going to be the biggest topic of this entire episode is Halloween six. So we will get to that. But I agree. I think four and six. Four. I think it's because there a lot. A big plot of the film is that Jamie doesn't really like Halloween, and then she decides to she decides to want to dress up for Halloween. So they go buy Correct. Halloween costumes and she trick or treats. So 
um, I, I agree six is very Halloween, the holiday centric, but four has, it feels like Halloween because they go buy costumes and stuff. And then right. there's, you know, they go trick or treating. So it's actually a child trick or treating. <laughs> so uh, I think both of those are, are very good uh, indications of the holiday. So uh, what else? What, what other questions did you have? That was it. Okay. I've got uh, what makes a good Halloween film. And we'll run through these ones quickly. What makes a good Halloween film? What makes not a bad Halloween film, but something that really bugs me throughout this entire franchise. Okay. Um, starting with the sequel, that mask just gets fucking terrible. Yes. And terrible in each. Um, 100% agree. 100% uh, agree. Sequel. And I feel like that was like one good thing about Rob Zombie's Halloween was I feel like the mask was kind of badass again. I like how it's yeah. all deteriorated. I from, think it's terrible in his sequel. Like, cause it's like cut off at a spot. I kind of dig that. I hate it. How hate it's all it deteriorated. In sequel. It's like but, supposed to be like blown off, I guess, from where Laurie shoots oh, him in I the know, first one. But it just looks, I don't like that you can see that much of his face. I, I feel like that's sort of not the point of Michael Myers. Like you shouldn't see his face sure. almost ever. And he's walking around opinion. without it in his part two. So I don't like that. But, um, but in fucking resurrection, man, his fucking eyebrows are so dark. It's terrible. And I just hate that so okay. much. And you're going to hate me when I get to resurrection. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Duh. But keep going. G. Okay. So, uh, I totally agree. Let's talk about the masks real quick sure. as a whole. Uh, they get so goddamn bad. Yeah. What's and the I deal with that? Don't understand hair, his why. His hair is blonde for a little bit. In the and they become one. so white. And I think a lot of it really comes down to if they would light it, better okay they would look better okay. like in the first film it's certainly the best mask of course yes but in john carpenter's halloween it's always lit very uh it's usually he has his it's very shadowy so his face you can see his face but there's a lot of shadows coming out from his nose and from his so it has this sinister look to his mask and he has this sinister scary look in that whole film it's shot by Dean Cundy. No wonder he looks fucking perfect in it. But the masks not only get worse, but they're lit. Like once they're fully lit, where it's just like a basically picture like a white light on his face, they look fucking awful. They look terrible. Because it's just a white face at that point. Right. The point of the shape and the point of Michael Myers is that shadowy figure and face. And so when they light it in the sequels, it looks terrible. Yes. Totally agree with you on that. What makes a good Halloween film? Michael Myers to me just and 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 then the escapades of his family and how we continue these um in terms of the sequels so uh one last thing oh we already did it uh what how is it different than other slasher franchises we basically already talked about that I think it's different because you don't root for Michael to kill a lot of these people and in the other franchises you just want all these people to die right mostly um so yeah those are our little topics our pre-topics if you will I almost feel like Halloween is the one slasher franchise that abides most by slasher rules. Just like him uh, not running. Um, usually our heroine is like a pure uh, individual. Yeah, I think, um, I think the case you're making is that the Halloween franchise is much more... Uh, I would say except for maybe six, uh, it's very contained and small. So it right. doesn't, the mythology isn't ever broken open. It isn't six, I know. But it's mostly just Michael Myers stalking mostly family members. Right. And it keeps it 
relatively small instead of, you know, Jason on a boat, you know? And there's something so cool about Michael just like simply just like standing, whether it's in a yard or uh, following someone far behind. Like, I don't know why that just that imagery. Yep. Just looks so fucking neat. Yeah. I get chills when it happens, even in the sequels that aren't as good. Uh, We'll talk about it, but I totally agree. And I think the biggest thing that makes these films different is that goddamn theme. So that all the scores use John Carpenter's original uh, theme. And like, I like, I like that. I I like Harry Manfredini's scores. Nothing holds a candle to that goddamn theme. Um, So that certainly helps these films. So, you know, I rewatched all these films except for um, Rob Zombie's second one. Um, and one thing I noticed, I think for four, five, and six, maybe, yeah, yeah, for four, five, and six, the dude that Carpenter like co writes with, yeah. Alan Howarth, Howarth, um, he wrote the music for those films. So yeah. I thought that, that was really neat. You know, it's certainly not, nothing ever reaches the iconicness of the OG uh, thing. Right. But I just thought that that was really neat that the dude who, uh, you know, writes with Carpenter would go on to write yeah. the score for those films. Yeah, totally agree. Um, the scores of these films certainly, I feel like, set it apart. Like, these these are kind of like, you know, later um, Friday the 13th sequels are just slashers. I feel like these films, the Halloween franchise, never just become slashers. It's never kids going to a location and being killed. It's always right. this stalking, you know. It's, very, it's more stalking than it is kills, um, which I enjoy. So, what do you say? We get to our list. Let's do it. Me or you, duh. I think you should go first. All right. So this is our favorite uh, from, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. 10 to 1, I guess? Uh, Yeah, I guess. But talk to me. Apparently you did not rewatch, or you never finished too, so go ahead. Right. Uh, So I I decided not to include uh, Rob Zombie's second Halloween um, just because um, I didn't finish it. Um, I did attempt to watch it, and... You know, in the past, I've championed. Yeah, uh, you're, this, you've this always film. defended it to me. So this is um, odd. I just wasn't fucking having it. Yeah. Um, it's two fucking hours long. I was. I have, I have the director's cut that Ooh, came with the, yeah. the Scream Factory uh, set. Uh, it's you fifteen minutes longer than you, the theatrical you cut. My theatrical cut. And that was a big uh, deterrent. Yeah. And I'll just go ahead and jump to what my least favorite is right now. Uh, and it's Rob Zombie's Halloween. And that played a big factor. That's shocking. Yes. And that played a big factor into me not finishing too. Cause it was like, and that was another film that I used to champion really hard. So it really surprised me that I have it, uh, this low on my list, but not liking, uh, Rob Zombie's first Halloween, uh, as much as I remember was another reason that I thought, fuck, I can't make it through. So, uh, so two as well, let's get this in order. So this is your number 10 then, right? My least favorite. Okay. Halloween film is the remake, which is it, tell me about it. Why do you think that happened? You, you used to do. Okay. So I, I used to, yeah, I used to be a strong proponent for this film. I like the remake. I'll talk about it in a, in a while. So I'm not against it, but so what, I, what well, happened? I, I feel the same way, right? The length of it. Yeah. It's also, again, I watched, um, the director's cut. I, 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 I totally to forgot not, about these distinctions. The theatrical cut is so much better than that director's cut. It's yeah, the so way much he better. escapes uh, is different. There's this horrible rape scene in the director's cut. Correct. Uh, when he escapes of Rob Zombies, and it's just so pointless. It's just trash, basically. And that's not in the theatrical, and it's so much better. I used to not have a problem with uh, 
learning about Michael when he was right. younger. Um, I actually really like that kid who plays. I do too. He's okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what, what turned me off this time. Um, I will say there is stuff that I still like about this film. And uh, some of them being is like, I feel like they do a good job of making Michael seem like this big, brutal serial killer. For sure. Tyler um, Maine, right? Right. But even, yeah. even before he's the Michael that we know, even as a kid, he fucking kills the bully. He That's is, one of my favorite scenes in the movie uh, when you he know, kills he, that bully. Uh, the stepdad, not oh, only his by the sister. Way, spoilers for the entire franchise of Halloween. Yeah, coming. absolutely. So we're going to spoil all the films. So that, that's your warning. Right. You know, the sister's boyfriend, those fucking dogs, you know, the fucking gerbil. For um, sure, yeah. Like, all of that. They they just make him seem much more uh, vicious. Um, there's the scene whenever he's getting uh, his suit. It's one of my fucking... It's one of the better scenes in the whole fucking film. Oh, with... Uh, Ken Four. Ken Forey, yeah. yeah. Um, he pulls out a knife on him, and it's a low-angled camera shot, and Michael is trying to break the knife free from his hand and he's just like slamming his fucking hand as hard as he yeah. can on the bathroom stall and the fucking bathroom stall is like Warping. bending yeah. right and that just I feel like it just really sends a clear message of just like this unstoppable force and how fucking evil that he is yeah I I, sir, I agree 100% I'll talk more about it but I agree that what's cool about that movie is how fucking brutal that movie is. Exactly. And, and I think it simply comes down to, for me, it's that fucking runtime, dog. Yeah, it's too long. That's just too much for me. If they could, maybe I, maybe if I had watched the theatrical cut, um, it would be higher. There are some other moments that I like a lot is when he's following Lori and her friends yes. uh, home. It looks just so good. Just like the distance that he is keeping. Yes. It just looks so cool. Um, and the part whenever Michael, young Michael, puts on the Michael Myers mask. It's, that's awesome. But he's in his clown costume. Yeah. That's borderline genius. Yeah. Uh, and he, in, uh, in my he opinion. like, stalks her down the hallway in that mask. And the, and the music kicks yeah. in. Dun, dun. Uh, so fucking cool. Um, some things I hate. It's like the most minor of things that, like, nitpick at me. So, for example, he's supposed to go trick-or-treating. It's Halloween night. His sister doesn't want to take him. Is that is that just when he's had enough? I mean, we see that he's already this like fucked up kid. Yeah. But had he gone trick or treating when he had not gone on this fucking initial killing spree? I guess. You I know? know. And then the part when he uh, finally reaches Lori, he takes her back to the house. Oh, he worst, takes off worst his mask. Thing in the whole world. He shows her the picture of them as children. She doesn't understand, and he just like sits down on his knees and he's just like chilling. Yeah. Like what the fuck is that about? Well, the ending of that movie is one of the worst endings of all fucking time. You know, what? what is what is Michael wanting? We see Michael is this, and we learn, and we already know, he's just this emotionless human being for 17 years, and now he's trying to make a human connection? Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand. Um, so, so I, you know, we both like the remake. Correct. But I agree with there's, everything there's you're saying. There's just some shit that doesn't sit right with me. Um, let's see, I had one more thing. Well, it's, it's unfortunate you weren't able to rewatch the theatrical cut. And I hate to keep harping on it, but the theatrical cut is much better. And I haven't seen the the uh, director's cut in years. The, the only I, one I, I rewatched. I think I've seen the theatrical cut since the theater. It's way better. So much better. Um, but the ending of both is the same where he's fucking... 
hitting her, the walls and shit. That's like, so long. It's yeah, terrible. when she's hiding in the walls. Yeah, it's I awful. do like how he tackles her. That's cool. Like, but he's like holding that huge ass fucking two by four, and like the the camera zooms in on his hand, and he drops the two by four, and yeah. then he like rushes her. I think part of part of what's interesting about what what you're kind of getting across with the physicality and violence, oh, right? Is I feel like this is the exploitation version of Halloween. Like this is good, it, it sort of because what you you description just, you described like when he puts the mask on as a kid in a clown costume and then the song dun, 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 the song that's plays. So good. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a exploitative of uh, Michael Both? Myers, right? The 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 score imagery slashers like it's exploitation. Right. Um, so. I think that's a cool. Ex- While I think it's a cool experiment, uh, it doesn't mean it's a great film. Um, I like it, but I don't love it. Um, another thing that I like about it is like the horror uh, actors. You know, oh yeah, like, like, yeah, Lisa all the Kim references Foray, and shit. Yeah, Sid Haig, uh, you know, Danielle Harris. Uh, I'm never. I'm not going to pronounce his name right. Brad Dorf. Like that's just yeah. fucking awesome that they're all. Um, in the film. Oh, so I remember what I was going to say. Oh, you never brought up uh, Malcolm McDowell as Loomis. Oh, and, that, and that's uh, another popular actor. I think he's fucking fantastic. Does a good Loomis. job. Like, it's crazy. It blows my mind that they were able to, like, the fact that anyone, because I, I don't think uh, Scout Taylor Compton, um, I don't really, I don't see her as, like, the Laurie Strode to me for some reason. Just, she's, she's a Laurie Strode, but she's not the to me but malcolm mcdowell is a really good loomis, good loomis. yes yeah. like he is to me there's two loomises now which i'm not you know donald pleasance is a king you know he's not gonna be changed but uh he's very good as loomis uh malcolm mcdowell um, so, yeah. i love that part when he's when he's talking to michael and he's telling him like i just can't fucking do this anymore yeah you know? oh yeah and he stands up and he pats his shoulder and he tells him take care michael like that's that's so fucking good yeah um so he's awesome in the uh, the remake. Um, so, you know, I kind of don't have a problem with them giving us more backstory about Michael. One thing I do have a problem with is all the bullshit backstory in six. Here's my question to you. You don't have an answer for it, but I want to ask you anyways. Well, we're, we're getting to six very early, but go ahead. Um, people were upset that Michael had this backstory. Is that fair to say? Yeah. 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 Were people upset when they got backstory in six? I wouldn't call it backstory in six. I would call it new revelations, bullshit mythology. Um, And I feel like I will talk about, I think let's save six for sure, because there's a lot to talk about six. Let me say this. We've talked so much about the remake. I may not have to talk about the remake when I tell you my ranking, because we kind of already did the whole thing, but that's cool. That's cool. So my least favorite, I do like it, but my least least favorite favorite is the remake. Keegan, please tell me what your least favorite Halloween film is. Okay. So the bottom of this list, this is my number 10. Um, the bottom of this list for me, I feel like any of these could be the the worst one. Um, so you know, but let's just let's just fucking get this out of the way. Halloween Resurrection is a borderline abomination. Now let me let me preface that it's a, well, I already said it was an abomination, but let me say this: it is a very fun, watchable piece of shit. So when this movie's on AMC, when it's on sci-fi, I can't stop watching this movie. It's very glossy. Yes, it's very glossy. It's, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. And but let me I just, think I like the cleanness of yeah, this film. But let's be clear, and this is my opinion, not yours. Uh it's shit. I mean, this movie sucks. Oh yeah. But it is fun. It's a fun 
piece of shit to watch. You know, as horror fans, sometimes this happens. A movie can be bad. It's not good. It's the worst one in the franchise, in my opinion. But God damn it, if I could turn it off, if it's on, like if you turned it on right now, I'd watch the whole fucking thing. And, I'm with and, you. and so because this is, you know, my version of this film, uh, I have to bring up, of course, the best scene in the movie, which is Buster Rhymes. And it is Buster Rhymes, right? Freddy. Yeah. Right. And uh, I told you to go back to the garage where you're supposed to be. <laughs> and he's thumping him on the head. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to the garage. Um, so goddamn good. So, <laughs> but like, you know, let's be clear. That's kind of ironically good. So like, while I love that scene and while, you know, that movie is fun, it's like ironically fun. Um, right. and this is a case where when I say it's fun, it is kind of a bad thing. Like it's fun in a campy shit way. So Halloween resurrection, not much more to say about it from me. I mean, it has this whole ridiculous angle of like, there it's like a you know it's it's very exactly of its time it's like about you know it's like 2001 yeah and it's it's about like reality tv and like competition reality tv shows and like but like the guy's like watching and like chatting with her on like some chat app i mean like it's just bullshit but it is fun uh the worst crime in this movie again spoilers for the franchise here the worst crime in this movie is it just kills off jamie lee curtis at the, very and, at the very beginning. Yeah. After it, her triumphant return in after H2O. a film that I will talk about in a while, uh, it just, I don't care that it ruins that moment, but this film is just like an abomination for a lot of reasons, and it just discards her character. Like, it's like, oh, fuck H2O is what this movie says to me. Right. So, I know, I agree. and that pisses me off because. Do you think that was her doing, though? Like, probably. I don't do this shit no more. Probably. It doesn't make it a good movie. Sure. I mean, it, you know, fuck this movie. So. Halloween Resurrection. Again, if it's on, I will watch it. Let's be clear. But it's a piece of shit. That's my number 10, my least favorite Halloween film. I I will have more to say when we get there. Okay. So what is your... Uh, I think you have a weird numbering here, but what is your essentially number nine? My number nine is uh, Halloween 6, the theatrical cut. Okay. Um, I have the theatrical cut and the producer's cut listed in two different spots. Um, I only listed one of them because I hate the theatrical cut. What kills the theatrical cut for me is that fucking ending. It makes zero goddamn sense. So they're in the hospital. Yes. Um, they're going to do something with the baby. I don't even want to think about this ending, then, but Then please, Michael starts killing the doctors. Then Paul Rudd beats him with that canister, and that's it. Yeah. That... There's no conclusion. And there's like green, in that fucking film. There's like green shit coming out of Loomis's face or something. Do you remember this? Or no, it's coming out of Michael's mask. Yes. It's terrible. I don't know if it's supposed to be like that syringe that they shoot him up with. I don't know. It that ending just it literally makes no fucking sense that yeah. I just like I can't this film is so bad. Well, let me just say quickly if you can hear a dog barking, sorry, but please go ahead. Let me take that back. I said so bad. I feel that that's a little harsh. So, okay, let's just, um, I'm not going to talk a lot about six here because you're talking about the theatrical cut. I'm talking and about I, the theatrical I've cut. I've only seen the theatrical cut maybe one and a half times. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's not good in my opinion. Um, the differences are stark. Uh, the, the, the theatrical cut has like music in it. It has, um, like metal music or something. It has like, uh, it has actual music, like not score. There's music playing in this film. And the producer's cut uses all 
original score and the original theme. And so the producer's cut feels more like a Halloween film, like it fits in with the franchise and uh, it has a better atmosphere to it. It feels like a Halloween sequel, whereas this theatrical cut, I think is a piece of shit. I didn't even list it because I, I hate it. Um, there are some things that I do like uh, about the theatrical cut. Okay. Like there's gore. Um, that's true. In the theatrical cut, that's not uh, present. Um, the scene whenever he kills Jamie, um, she's like, uh, she's like on these spikes. Yes. Right? And she like reaches her hand out to Michael almost like for help. And Michael puts his hands out as well. Yeah. But instead of helping her, he just shoves her down harder. Yeah. Onto the spikes. I like that. Uh, the fucking asshole dad, his fucking head explodes. Yes. Uh, when Michael like puts him on the fucking, uh, I guess like the electrical circuit in the house and it overloads and it blows yes. up. Um, Those were inserts. If I remember correctly, they reshot some of this to add gore. Um, I dig it. Yeah. And you know, you, as I've stated earlier, you dogs, a, a gore, gore hound. Guy. Yeah. Um, E dog is a since, hound. Since you didn't list the theatrical cut. Yes. I'm gonna go ahead and say now that my next film is the producer's cut. Okay. And it's just like an inch above the theatrical. So cut. let's just take the theatrical cut out, even though I appreciate your thoughts on it. So you essentially number nine is, I guess the producer's cut the, okay. of Halloween six. I got it. Um, but it's just like barely. And it's just because there's a more coherent story. Um, there's more explanation of what the man in black is doing. Yeah. I like that it, they tried to wrap it more in a bow for me and I don't always need that. But, sure. But for the way the theatrical ends in such like bullshit, like it's, that, that's not an ending. It's worthless the way it's edited together. That I appreciate that they tried to give us more of a story. You know, they try to show us what happened at the end of five. You know, we see Mike, we see Michael being taken away in handcuffs. We learned that Michael fucking, I guess, raped Jamie. Which, I get, yeah. which I don't like. Yeah, of course not. Um, but I appreciate that they gave us more story. Uh, I fucking hate that like Donald Pleasance now is supposed to be like the new like caretaker of, yeah. of Michael. Yeah. Um, and you know, and obviously they couldn't go with that because he had uh, passed away. Um, but simply because it's a more coherent story, I like it more. Okay. So I'll talk about it in a minute. But I really, really like six. And for me, I don't know if this is the time to defend it or not. Maybe I should wait. Um, you know, I feel like this could be the Jason goes to hell of this franchise because of its over explanations oh, and it's new mythology, absurd mythology that makes no sense. But for me, the way it is totally different than how, in my opinion, bad Jason goes to hell is, is that this still feels like a Halloween film. So around, so I think there's a really good Halloween sequel in the middle of this around it is all this bullshit that makes no sense. Like when and the thorn and all this shit that's really stupid mythology. But if you take that out, the actual film that's happening is really cool. It's, it's, it's stalking Michael Myers. His mask doesn't look as bad, but it looks pretty bad in this movie. Um, there is one shot in the film that I think his mask looks great. It's when he's laying on the floor at the bottom of the staircase. This may only be in the producer's cut. And uh, it's lit from, the shot is lit from the bottom of his face. And it looks like the fucking original mask. Hey, you lit it right. Thank you. 
Um, so I'll talk about it in a minute, but I think it's different because it still is a Halloween film. You know, it's still an extension of, you know, family members, the Strodes, um, Tommy Blankenship. That's his last name, right? Doyle. Who the fuck is Tommy? Who is Don? Bl- Mrs. Blankenship is the lady. You got it right. Thank you so much. So Tommy Doyle, sorry, uh, is the kid next door played by the ridiculous Paul Rudd in the movie. So like introducing Paul Stephen Rudd. Yes. I still feel like this film is a good Halloween sequel, even though it includes a lot of bad mythology I don't like. I feel like I've said this already, but I, I want to get it across. I want to make sure that it's clear. I'm knocking these films but I still like them. Sure. You know, I think I was just telling you the other day that I want to get a fucking white marker and put the, the thorn symbol on my skateboard. Yeah. You know, so yes, I don't like the film, but I like the film. Totally. That's what I was yeah. saying about Resurrection. I think it's a terrible movie, but I like it. Right. Um, so, so I guess this will be your nine. That's my number nine. Okay. So my number nine is Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's. Halloween oh, gosh. Two. Okay. Uh, you almost, almost threw you for I, a loop I was, there. I thought you were putting Rick Rosenthal's Absolutely there. not. Uh, Halloween 2 is my number nine, which is Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Okay. Um, I listed all of them because I'm not psychotic like you are uh, and didn't include it in our ranking. Hey, you're the one that didn't want to put the producer's cut and theatrical That's cut of six. Is one. Cut. Where's your theatrical cut of Halloween remake? Duh, they're two pretty different films. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think they're very different. What's uh, the difference between Jam and Jelly? They both taste like shit. You can't jelly your dick up a dead girl's ass. That's a joke from Halloween too. I'll probably have to cut that out. <laughs> it's a line from the movie. Okay, Go sure ahead. it is. Uh, Eric Hoffer president, and then they play that, whatever the hell you just said. Again, the brutalness persists in Halloween too. Yes, but I feel like, okay, Halloween 2, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, um, starts out, great right and i feel like he did this on purpose i know what he's doing here it's like a subversion it's meta because this making is making you think that it's going to be in two so i totally Excuse understand me, what's hospital. happening here but if you just watch that opening it's fantastic i agree uh he does you know stalking michael myers and the, the you know a uh hospital and you know she hides in this in this uh hut and the oh, i'm gonna go get help for you honey and he fucking dies like that's halloween right there that is what Halloween is. Shit like that. You know, being scared of the shape of the stalking Michael Myers. I don't know the name of the band. I don't know the name of the song. I don't even know why he fucking put it, but I love how the TV's playing. Nights in white satin. Probably some reference to Never something. Never reaching the end. Keep going. Letters are written. Never meaning to send. Go ahead. Yes. So, I love that that's in there during yeah. that scene, during that bit. And then she falls into that pit of fucking bodies. Yeah. And I guess that kind of gives you like a heads up of like, wait, maybe this is just a dream. If E-Dog wrote that scene, it would have been medical waste. And that would have been more nasty to me. Yeah. So uh, my goddamn phone is going off, uh, even though I have it on Do Not Disturb. Um, so yeah, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2... It just, okay, so it has this great opening and then it just turns into like white trash city, like just what, I don't know. Like, you know, she's, Laurie Strode is now a fucking wreck and not in like a good way. Yes, Eric, what would you like to say? Would you agree that this is more of a Rob Zombie film? It for sure is, it's yes. It's like the, the, his first Halloween was like he was working in the confines of a Halloween film. That's and what this is, one, yeah. it was kind of like, 
I'm going to introduce this fucking white horse ghost mom bullshit. And like, let me just say, I appreciate like his ambiguous imagery with like the white horse and his mom and stuff. Like I appreciate that he tried to do that, but this film is such like, it's so inaccessible as a Halloween film that it just completely killed the franchise. So like, I'm upset. I didn't finish it. I kind of, hate this movie because it killed the franchise here you have halloween remake that made a fuck ton of money for dimension and okay let's make the sequel oh rob do you want to do it no i don't want to do it okay so they go out yeah i'll do it and then he makes this and ruin essentially ruins the franchise and now here we are years later yes it might work out uh which we should talk about but um, yeah, just shitty. Like you could have just made a sequel to it, uh, a slasher sequel. Maybe we could have gotten like 10 more of these things by now, but no, you made this fucking inaccessible. Like it, 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 okay. Let's just end this for me with, it doesn't feel like a Halloween film to me. The first 20 minutes does. And from then on, it's just Rob Zombie saying like, basically, Oh fuck Halloween. I'm going to do my own. Like, I don't care about the franchise. That's mm-hmm. what the rest of the film feels like. And to that, I say, fuck you. So that's my number nine. That's your number nine. That um, is Halloween two of the remake. Now, when I did attempt to rewatch it, I got 30 minutes in. I got to the point where he escapes from uh, the ambulance. And one thing that got me stoked was one of the EMTs is the guy who had gone to play Doomhead in 31. Oh, cool. He's the that's dude awesome. who like slices his neck open with a fucking broken glass. And you know, I like Doomhead. As well as I. So I guess we're on number eight. What is Eric Hoff's number eight? And my number eight um, is Halloween five. Me too. So we can talk about it together. I can't believe this happened. Yes, go yeah. ahead. I kind of feel like a four through six. This is kind of I know I I know I rated six lower, but this is like the one I don't give a shit about. Yeah, this it's like six is like cool to talk about because of the differences that exist between the two sure. cuts and just how I kind of feel angry about it. And then four is really fucking good. Four is great. And then this one is just kind of like in the middle it's like almost like mundane it's like kind of how you describe uh resurrection for you you know it's like it's it's like watchable but like kind of doesn't do shit for me it doesn't do shit for this series it's like um it's unremarkable that's how i feel about it and especially because i almost feel like it's to blame for part six how it like sets up this bullshit ending that they had to go on to uh work with and then I, i i can't remember the character's name or her real name um, but Jamie's older sister bums me out that they kill her off because I really, really like yeah. her in both four uh, and what little time she has in five. That actress is really pretty. Yeah. Um, but five is just kind of like... I feel man. like it's a meandering mess. Uh, and, and it's weird to me that like... Oh, you know what fucking five's biggest fucking sin is? What is five's biggest fucking sin? And I'm usually sin? cool with this is the fucking airhead cops. There's even like fucking like like silly like music that plays like whenever they're on the scene it's so fucking dumb shocking eric is defending cops today um i'm defending how dumb that is it's i'm kidding please proceed Um, i don't know like that humor just doesn't fit like is there any other humor in the halloween franchise yeah so this sucks because i'll admit i didn't rewatch five for this okay because it's like the i think you are making perfect points I feel like it's the most boring goddamn movie in this franchise. Yeah. Um, while, while you know, Halloween Resurrection, Halloween 2 by Rob Zombie, I think are worse films. Um, 
this is just boring. And like of all things in horror and in France, don't be boring, you know? And I feel like it's also, you know, I think Danielle Harris in this film is doing her goddamn best uh, that she can, which is very, very good acting. But the fact that she can't talk is kind of frustrating in the film. Like, I agree. And I don't, and I don't feel like it's like a metaphor for like uh, mute people or anything. I don't feel like it's anything profound. I just feel like it's just there just to be there because they don't know what the fuck they're doing in five. So I hate the way that Loomis is portrayed. Yeah. He's like real, like oh, aggressive. He's an asshole. Yes. And he's just like screaming at Jamie because apparently Jamie and Michael now have this like teleca- yes. teleca- telekinetic fucking uh, relationship. And so he's like trying to like scare her into finally talking to say like where Michael is. And he's being like a dick to her. And we, and we're supposed to love Loomis, but like here, she is not talking and he's fucking screaming at her. Yeah. He's just like real ugly to her. I totally agree. Totally. hundred percent. I, I got a few positives though. Yeah. I mean, for five. Sh- go ahead. It um, is my number eight. It's not the worst one. Yeah. Um, so there's the part where Jamie and that little boy, I guess they like, she like lives now in like a hospital for like children who also have other disabilities. Yes. And, uh, she teams up with like another little boy, her age to go to look for, I thought this was dumb, you know, so they kill off the older sister. And so now it's like the older sister's best friend and Jamie and the sister's best friend are really cool together. I guess. And so whenever she goes up missing, um, she and this little boy leave the hospital to go look for the friend. And there's that part where Michael is chasing them in the field, uh, in the car. Yes. And I actually think that's really cool. And there's a moment prior to that, whenever Michael goes to pick her up, and her boyfriend, her his name is Michael as well, but he's not wearing his mask. He's just wearing like another, like Halloween mask. Yeah. Do you remember that? And he yes, goes and he picks her up, and that's kind of you know, cool, I guess. Though the the moments with Michael in the car, I actually dig, and it's this like nice ass fucking like cool like Camaro or like Mustang or something, and he's just chasing these fucking kids down. This is the one with the barn sex, right? Correct. Uh, and I and I I enjoy that. Yeah. So like I like that whole scene, and he, I think he uses a. Is that a pitchfork? Like pitchfork, yeah. And like that's cool, but like they're playing with the kittens for way too goddamn long. Yes, though. they are. Yes, they are. So it's, I don't know. I just think I think we've we've correctly. It's the most unremarkable, boring movie that just sort of meanders. And like you said, Loomis is unlikable. And I just I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it. But I like race car, Michael Myers. Oh, <laughs> give <laughs> me would? that action figure stat. He can have like fucking like racing gloves on. That'd be fucking. Why hasn't anybody done that toy? It's like drive. Like like I understand that Malik or Mustafa. It's Malik now, right? I think it's Malik. Malik, that isn't it? Akkad. I guess he's kind of hard to work with because I I follow NECA toys on Twitter and people are constantly asking when are we going to get a new Michael toy and I guess they haven't been able to reach an agreement. But that would be a fire ass Halloween toy if it's Michael. That would be fucking sick in the other Halloween mask that he's wearing. It's like an old like man or something. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, so yeah. eight is just kind of like, eh. Like, when I got to eight, I was like, eh. Halloween five. What am I saying? You're saying eight as it's our oh, number eight. Excuse me. Excuse Halloween me. five. You're correct. And, it, and let's talk about this real quick. It sucks because four and five are kind of like the crown jewel to everybody, I feel like. Like, the sequels of Halloween. Everybody likes Halloween, and then everyone always talks four and five. And I think four is, like, one of the best horror movies ever made. And I feel like five is not. So I think it's, I think people are going to disagree with this is what I'm saying. Sure. I think people love five and we don't. So, I mean, I love all of them, but I think it's boring. 
So that was number eight. Eight. For both of us. Shall I go with my seven? Yeah. Let's All see. Right. You're going to hate me, but my number seven is Resurrection. Now, hear me out. Okay. Uh, I We saw Victor Crowley before we watched Resurrection. Adam did a Q&A after Victor Crowley. And one of the things he said was, people don't come to watch Hatchet to be scared. They come to watch it and, and laugh. You know, just how over the top and silly it is. You know, he said, this is a comedy. I guess I had that mindset okay. going into Resurrection. And, and uh, see... I was just fucking laughing, especially, you know, you brought up Buster He's Rhymes. the best ever. Yeah, that's great. He's so fucking silly. Now, the part I want to bring up. Well, wait, let me quickly re- rebut, rebute what you just said. Go ahead. But I think that's that's about Hatchet. No, you're 100% right. right. So, people don't come for Halloween to be scared. To, to laugh. Actually, it, people don't come for Halloween to be scared. <laughs> they do come to be scared. They don't Correct. come to laugh. So, so I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying I don't think that's what makes Halloween great. It does make Hatchet. Resurrection. Great watchable it's listen it, i said <laughs> if it's on i'll watch the whole thing right um you know just me describing it isn't isn't gonna do a good job of making it clear but there's a part early on in the film the main character do your job it, is it jessica i don't fucking know okay man. so what's their screen names danger entertainment <laughs> <laughs> no it's dangertainment oh dangertainment so buster rhymes his character's name is freddie Freddy is fucking watching martial arts movies in his hotel room. And he's like cheering the actor on in this film. Now, I don't know if this is a real actor or if they just made it up for the film. And, and he's calling him like Chow Yun Lee or something. And he's like, Chow Yun Lee whipping everybody's ass. You know, he's just like super into this film. And then the main character, she knocks on the door and she wants to tell Buster Rhymes that she no longer wants to go through with being on this web show that they're going to do, right? And Buster Rhymes says out loud, who's knocking on my door this late? Interrupting me from watching Chow Yun Lee kick some ass. (laughs) It's just the dumbest fucking shit ever. And it almost made it feel forgivable whenever he fucking fights Michael because he's actually yelling, hi-ya. And just the part, I mean, just just knowing that this character likes martial arts films and now he's doing the fucking hot yawn shit, I'm just fucking cracking up at this and having a blast. I had said I like how sleek it is. It's a very glossy film. And another thing I want to bring up is, is you know, when people were thinking we we're going to get a new uh, Friday the 13th film, one of the ideas was it may be found footage. Now, this film isn't 100% found footage, but this is a found footage fucking film. Yeah, there's pieces in it, yeah. This is a found footage slasher film from a major uh, icon. And I think it's like, all right. Like the found footage shit that's uh, that's in the film, it's fine with me. Yeah. Maybe it works because it's not 100% yeah. found footage that it alternates between just plain Jane footage or regular camera work, whatever you want to call it, and uh, found footage. Um, I like Resurrection. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge you for liking it. Like I said, I like to watch it, and I do think it's funny. But like, what you just described is like the most basic like screenwriting technique, but like not done well. Like, show that someone likes martial arts, okay? So that at the end of the film, the payoff to that when he's is yelling that, "Hiya!" as he kicks exactly Myers. the payoff to that scene. It's a setup for a payoff that he's going to fight Michael Myers with martial arts, but it's like not, you know, it's bullshit. Uh, Trick or treat, motherfucker, is more 
cringeworthy than him yelling hiya to me. Sure. But yeah, I think it's a sleek looking film. Um, oh, in, in horror films, whenever there's just like a pounding at the door, a wall in the distance, me personally, that creeps me out. Uh, it fucks me out. That's why uh, The Strangers is so good. And at the very beginning when he's like in the mental asylum. Yeah. And he's banging on uh, Lori's door. That creeped me out, dude. Yeah. And then he just like bursts in. Um, but and then I, you know, it's, it's also it's, the crime of that film. You know, is that he, whole opening. You know, it's saying "fuck you" to H two O, and you'll learn here in a second that I really like H two O. Same here. But I like how they like did their best to be like, "Oh, Michael escaped, and he put on the mask uh, for this EMT, and he ripped, he's crushed his larynx, and you know, I, I thought they did a good job of like tidying that bullshit up. I do appreciate." that the film is a direct sequel to H2O. So I do appreciate that they 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 did kind of what I love in these franchises, which is like retcon and like find a way for it to make sense for there to be another one. Exactly. So I totally agree with what you're saying. I just, it's too bad that the way that they decided to do that was a fuck you to H2O. Like, I agree. You know, the whole point, I mean, we'll talk about H2O, but the whole point is that she conquers him finally and her right. fear and her anxiety about, about what happened 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so for that to be unconquered and just discarded off a roof, uh, is a fuck you to, I think a great film. So, um, that what you were talking about resurrection. I guess, I guess that was my seven. Yes. Yeah. So let's hear what you got. Now, okay. Huh? So my seven is the Halloween remake. Now that's high. It is, you know, looking at this list, it was tough. These last ones were really tough because like here, my 10 is resurrection, which I think is an abomination nine, which I think has good elements. The first 20 minutes are awesome, but it's, I just don't like where Rob zombie took the franchise and I don't like that. He killed it. And then five, which is my number eight, I just think is boring. So I was just like, whatever, fuck that movie. Um, even though I like it, let's be clear. I like all these movies. Uh, and then I put the remake in because I feel like it is a competent film and it is cool that he gave us a new Hall- a new take on Halloween. While I don't love the remake, I love that it got made and that it is what it is. And again, I want to be clear. I like the theatrical cut of the remake. I hate the unrated cut, the director's cut. Um, so when I talk about this film... I don't even think about the director's cut. And again, I think the biggest thing for me is that rape scene that makes no sense that sort of like makes the movie into something else, I feel like. How does he escape in the theatrical cut? Uh, I think he just... Oh, and that was another thing. Like, he just like fucking... He like kills a bunch of the he like just fucking fucks up, like orderly. Yeah, he just fucks up Danny Trejo and, and gets out. I was good to you, Mikey! I was good to you, Mikey! So, um... Yeah, so it's... You know what's fucked up about the, the unrated cut? It's also shorter, which we don't need this movie to be as long right. as you know, the We're talking cut. about how awful the rape scene is, because it is. Um, so these two orderlies are literally raping another patient on Michael Myers' bed, and he's just working on a mask. And it, it's, it it's not phasing him. And it doesn't one make of them, any sense why this is happening. Well, so their idea is they're going to get him to fuck. Yeah. This this woman but as what well. i'm saying is in the film as a story that doesn't make like it's just bullshit like it's These just, are just awful characters wanting to be shocking uh yeah shocking and exploitative and i don't think it works so 
they're just doing this awful thing to this woman and he's just not paying attention. Then one of them grabs one of his masks and then yeah. that's what sets him yeah. off. Um, again, not in the theatrical cut that I'm ranking so I'm, as so my I'm, number seven. So what I'm getting at is Michael's motivations in the remake are just real off, man. Yeah. I do think one of the best aspects of this film, I do think the portrayal of, of Michael Myers' mom, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, I do think she's really good. And I feel like I, I genuinely feel bad for her uh, trying to help her son. Like I actually, like this film does a good job of like, what would it be like if you were a mother and your child was killing other kids at school and your family like, torturing animals and stuff like, and you're just, you know, you're just trying to, you know, Hey, Michael, you know, you're my little boy. Stop being so fucked up and there's nothing she can do. Cause he's just evil. Um, I do find that incredibly, uh, I wouldn't say profound, but it does, it does affect me every time I see it. I feel bad for her. So I think that does work, but the biggest crime of this film is the end. Like we talked about, which is the whole fucking scene where he's like hitting in the wall so and she's hiding long. in the wall. It's terrible. Um, but it does have a lot of fun stuff. Like there's this one scene where, uh, like, they go to the, like these, I can't, I think it's Annie Brackets. No, cause that's Sheriff. I'm fucking this whole review up. Uh, Michael busts in this door and fucking kills this person in like an instant. Do you know this scene I'm talking about? When he kills the, the, the father, Lori's yes. father. Yes. No, it's so fucked up. Cause it's he's amazing. just standing, uh, on the porch and out of nowhere, he just like slashes, uh, his throat, I guess. Yeah. And that's again, coming back to my point of just like how they did such a good job of making Michael seem so vicious. Yes. Cause then he kills the mom as well. And that's D Wallace. Yes. Another I love Wallace. So awesome horror. What icon. I, I, that's one of my favorite scenes of like recent horror. I don't know why it's just show, so goddamn shocking. Yeah. He just like, comes out. There's no hint and, to and him being Michael there. like throws him on the floor. And so the first thing that, hit, that the mother sees is hit her husband being like thrown through the door onto the floor, like with his neck slit open. And then Michael's just like standing there staring at her. And she's like, oh, and he my. closes the door yes. behind him. It's yeah, it's awesome. So, good. um, there is good stuff in this film. Uh, I think it's better. Uh, you know, it is a good film. It's just, uh, I will say, I wish that Rob zombie hadn't gone this direction with the whole thing, but you know, as a catalog that it exists, I do think it is, you know, better than these other ones that I've already ranked. So that's my number seven, the Halloween remake. What's your number six? Uh, the next film I have on my list is Halloween two, uh, Rick Rosenthal's. Okay. And, uh, this is actually high for me. Um, I remember watching it and thinking that, uh, it was boring, uh, slow, but it really worked, uh, for me, uh, this time. The, the shit uh, I like about Halloween 2 are the kills. It, there's, it's not a death. Uh, there's the part where there's the EMT who, uh, you know, he has like a little thing for Lori. Yeah. He promises her to get her a coat, but he never does. Yes. Um, like Michael, I guess, has like drained that nurse's like blood. And so there's just like this blood spill in that room and he slips and he hits his head. Yep. Holy fuck. That's fucking crazy, and then it, but it doesn't fucking kill him yeah. until like later, and he goes out into the car, and he's all loopy, and she's all excited when when uh, she sees him because he thinks because she thinks that he can help him. Um, the hot tub scene, yes, where he's just like shoving that girl's uh, face in the water. I love how she's like waiting for like the boyfriend to come back, but Michael is in the back room, and you can just like see their silhouettes of Michael killing him. Yes, 
Um, so I'm waiting to talk about this because this is one of my favorites. So uh, please proceed with Halloween okay. too. Um, you know, I like that it's a direct correlation. I like that we have a shit ton of Halloweens. That's a good thing. But I think it would have been tight had Michael Myers' story ended here because that was their initial. Uh, yeah, I intention. totally get that. Yeah. Um, I used to have a problem with this film. I used to think it was slow, but upon revisiting it for this episode, I found I enjoyed it much, much more. Yeah, I love Halloween too. You know, I'll talk about why later, I guess. So that was your number six? Yes. So my number six is Synergy. It's uh, Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, the producer's cut. Uh, So that's my number six. Um, We've talked about it quite a bit, but I think this movie is, you know, it's not... Well, let's just get this out of the way. It is not perfect in any way. And it, it has so much bullshit mythology we've already talked about that just, like, the thorn and, like... He was, oh, like, they try to, like, retcon it where it's, like, he was always this instrument of evil through them, through, like, Dr. Wynn or whatever. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, like, I just want to get that out of the way. I hate all of that. It's so stupid. But the film that we get inside it, basically once Jamie escapes with the baby and Michael follows her to uh, Haddonfield, I love. I think it's fantastic. Um Basically, you know, I can't remember the actress's name, but the main character and then her son are great in the producer's cut. And there's so much Halloween, the holiday imagery in this film, like you were talking about, that uh, really feels like the holiday. Like it really feels like they're trick-or-treating, like all the decorations, like they really go out of their way in this one specifically, uh, this and four, I think, to be more about the holiday than anything. But most importantly with the producer's cut, we kind of already touched on it, but like the use of score in the producer's cut is awesome. So like this film is very, you know, the shape it's still Michael stalking. It's still, you know, there is some kills that are like a slasher film in this movie, but in the producer's cut, they're scaled back a little bit. And I just really like that. This is more Michael feels like Michael Myers in this movie to me. And so the fact that it feels like Halloween, the fact that they use the score. So he's still like, dun, 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 you know, that whole thing. Um, it's awesome. You know, obviously the ending kind of is stupid with Paul Rudd fucking making the circle and using I feel the- like I was drugged. It was because we were drugged. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And, and that's partly because, uh, some of that was reshot and I guess that was, it's so blatantly obvious like yeah. that particular part, how they're in the house and then all of a sudden they're outside of the house and it's because they've been drugged. Yes. I would have loved to have seen uh, a direct sequel to this movie. Um, now the sequel that they did make instead of Halloween seven was H2O. So, you know, that is totally fine with me cause H2O is amazing. But, um, I would have loved to have seen where this went after this, but uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's an overall cool, like, I don't know if you remember, there's like the radio host in the movie and he's fun. Oh yeah. And they're like at this like Halloween festival downtown. So like that's more Halloween imagery. It feels very Halloween. Um, again, I don't like all the mythology building bullshit that feels like Jason goes to hell to me, but the film inside of that feels like, um, you know, a more of a sequel to Halloween and Halloween two. Uh, than the rest of them, honestly. And I think it, it's because Tommy Doyle's in it and stuff. So yeah, Halloween 6. I really like Curse of Michael Myers, but only the producer's cut. I do not like the theatrical cut. Wait, where are you going? Take a shower. Gotta stay fresh, you know. Yes. That's a great kill, by the way. 
another one of my favorite lines of dialogue from the brother uh, is when they discover the drawings that the young son child yes. has been drawing. And they're like, what kind of nightmares has he been having? And the brother goes, <coughs> I think it's cool. Oh, I do want to throw in here. I, uh, I don't know why. Like, I hated him at first, but I kind of love her, like, douchebag dad. Like, he's... Fuck him, Dot. You come back here with your little bastard. No, no. And you think Deborah and I are going to roll out the red carpet for you? Yes. Obviously, I don't like the character, but, like, I kind of, like, love to hate that character. Okay. Uh, I'm with you. I think it's a, it's a lot of fun because, like, that guy's such a dick. Um, I so, I kind of like part. that whole that whole thing. Uh, I do dig the part whenever, like, they had that altercation in the kitchen. Yeah. And he slaps her. And then her son like has the knife, you know, yes. at his belly, you know. And he's like, "Danny, you know, Danny, kill for me, kill for me." Um, you know, they touched upon that in four, and they touched upon it again in six. And I think that would have been an okay route. Not sure. really. I mean, we need Michael, but I like the idea of there could be another possible yeah. killer. Yeah, I, uh, I just like, kill for me. I like to laugh about that dad because like he comes home and I think uh, his wife has already been killed by Michael. But he yeah. doesn't know. Come out, come like, out, wherever you are. He's like, well, thanks for making dinner. <laughs> and he's just like an ass. Yeah. Uh, and then when he finally has that re- revelation, she finally left. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I find all that a lot of fun. Uh, and Paul Rudd, you know, is good enough in he's it. He's fine. He has some terrible moments that are like great YouTube worthy moments like where he got goes into the uh, the hospital and he's like, I need a doctor now. And he makes this face. That's like, what the fuck were you doing, Paul? So anyways, Halloween six curse of Michael Myers producers cut. Uh, this is a good one. I really like this one. Uh, it's weird. It's a recent, it's a, it's a more recent sequel. I've come to love, uh, all of the rest of the films have been some of my favorite movies. Um, pretty much my whole life. This one is a newer one for me that I really, really like. So that's six. Uh, my number six was Halloween six. Chris Michael Myers. Producer Scott. What is Eric Hoff's number five? So my next film on the list is the original. I've talked before about the problems I have uh, with this film. I find it a little slow. I don't like the characters, but it's fucking Halloween. So your number five ish is the original Halloween. That's correct. Uh, I've got, wow. two, I've got two more films. Uh, on my list that feature Michael and that portrayal in my opinion uh, is better. Um, But again, you know, this is Halloween. This is the fucking horror film. So it might seem wild um, that I have it this low. There are just a few others. uh, I can't can't remember if it was Josh goes to hell or Shane saw. Sorry. One of these guys sent me a message that was like, I literally burst out laughing when Eric listed uh, I think it was on our Friday episode. Uh, no, no, it was Halloween. And you listed Halloween as like your number four. It was our Carpenter episode. Or no, our Carpenter episode. I think it was your one of your honorable mentions, wasn't it? No, it was like six or something. I don't remember. But, well, six. I mean, we only did five. Point was like, so hopefully you're enjoying this as well. So, so please I mean, proceed. So it seems wild. I understand that it seems wild to have it that low. Um but I just feel like there's other films that feature Michael Myers that are more entertaining. Sure. Um, so, mean, but again, I I'm, but I'm not taken away from anything of, course. of the original Halloween, you know? It's, so I obviously disagree. So please, you know, go ahead and explain it. Cause I mean, I'm not all, gonna say I mean that's all I really got is that, you know, I acknowledge the film that it is, but I just find it, um, not as entertaining as some of the other ones are. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, psychotic, but fair. Uh, I'm just joking. 
Um, well, I, I applaud you for just making your own list, right? So like, I applaud that like, you're essentially number five is going to be, is like my favorite, pretty much my favorite horror movie of all time is your five on a franchise list. And I appreciate that you were willing to put that out Go there. there. Yeah. So we have my number five then you're, you're number five. So my number five is Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers. And, uh, I feel like I have this relatively low to a lot of people to like, I feel like most Halloween fans, like this is like, you know, it's Halloween and then four for most people. I could be totally wrong about that, but I just kind of feel like that's the zeitgeist on these. So my number five is four and I love four. Um, it's definitely, you know, one of the best, um, Michael is perfect portrayal in this film. Daniel Harris gives like an incredible child performance in this movie. I agree. That, uh, it's just a good character in general. It is. And, you know, I say mind-blowing a lot. Like, I think her performance in this film is mind-blowing. Like, I, uh, so I, my brother had seen it before, but around a year or year or two ago, I made my brother watch all, Ben, hello, Ben. I made him watch all these films, uh, the entire franchise with me. And the first thing he's, he noticed about four, he's like, holy shit, this person's so good. I'm like, it's Daniel Harris. And yeah, she's, she's so good as a child actor. So I love this movie. I love that this is the second most, I feel like Halloween, uh, the holiday, uh, is, is in this, you know, she goes, she wants to go trick or treating. Mm -hmm. She, uh, they go buy costumes and this has one of the greatest moments in the entire franchise, which is fuck off Wade. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, and you know, shout out to alone in the dark podcast. Uh, these guys, uh, I listen to their podcast. They're way bigger than us, but they're on their, uh, they have a shirt. They just made a shirt for, for October. And it, it has that girl standing there by like in like the shop. Mm. And it, she like looks pissed and it says fuck off Wade. And it says alone in the dark podcast. Nice. So that's a super cool shirt. Shout out to them alone in the dark podcast. Um, yeah, so I love that moment. Um, I love like the characters in this movie. It, it's kind of this one's a little more like slashery, like tropey characters, uh, but I really find it endearing. I like the main character a lot, and uh, yeah, I don't know, just the whole thing. Um, I feel like the worst part of four is when they're stuck, like they hold up in the house at the end with like the sheriff and like his like deputy or whatever. I feel like that's the worst part of the movie. Um, there are some good moments. No, there's good moments for sure. Uh, like, you know, when, when, uh, what is that guy's name? The, the guy she wants to get with. Well, he has a fight with Michael, like, uh, on the staircase. On the staircase. And that's good. So, like, I'm not saying it's bad, but, like, I just feel like it drags real hard right there. But, right, but before that, it has this really propulsive, like, fun Halloween movie. And then, boom, you're stuck at the house for, like, a while. So, I feel like it's a little boring. But, uh, yeah. Halloween four return of Michael Myers. Uh, I'm just glad, you know, this brought back the franchise and everything. And I love this movie, uh, but it is my number five because I like the other ones more. So that's my number five. Eric, what's your next film? So somehow my list number, my numbers on my list got fucked up somewhere along and the we way. Don't, we don't want to look into it. So no, we, we certainly don't want to <laughs> no. do that. So I'm actually on my third, please proceed. So, so, if any of you are upset that I had Halloween at five, it was actually at my, my number four spot. But my third favorite film in the Halloween franchise is H2O. Yes. Um, oh, okay. So I'm on my four. It, my next film is my four. Okay. And it's H2O. Okay. But you go ahead. Okay. So um, it's awesome that we have 
uh, Lori back. I like how she's portrayed as this, like, it looks like her life. She's in control of her life, but she's not. I like how she's still upset. You know, she's got a, a drinking problem uh, in order to cope. She's, like, swigging, like, full glasses of vodka and stuff. It's sick. I love Josh Hartnett. Me too. Who plays uh, her son, a 17-year-old son. Uh, she is a headmistress at a private school. It's very secluded. It's gated. Um, this is where... Uh, I guess they live there on campus. I guess, yeah. Um, as well. It's like a private school you go to. Like, what do you call that? A boarding school. Boarding school. Um, so I guess Michael's just been like in fucking hiding, I guess, from two. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And he finally gets... Because she says she saw him burn. So two happened. So yeah. Right. Yep. So um, so that's tight that it's, it's a direct uh, sequel to two. Yep. Uh, he finally uh, figures out where um, Loomis is living. Um, I like how they give a nod uh, to Loomis. You learn, and they, you know, and they even explain, you know, that the character has passed away in the film uh, universe as well. Yeah, Loomis and, has a file. Go ahead. Oh yeah, she. They they find this out. You find this out in the film because the nurse from Halloween Two uh, is killed in the opening. Right, uh, and you at learn her that house. she's Loomis's caretaker. But it, and it's actually the nurse from Halloween too. It's right. that actress, actress and everything. So it's it's like a direct sequel to Halloween too. Right, I fucking love that. So Loomis has these files on Lori, and that's how Michael's able to discover where uh, she's now living. What I thought was interesting is during the opening credits, uh, there's a newspaper clipping that says "woman killed in car accident," and so we learn that she's faked her death in yes. order to continue to hide. She's afraid. There's a part where she's explaining, you know, every single holiday she hopes, excuse me, every single Halloween she hopes and prays that her brother will not find her. Do you think that was some type of nod, though, to Halloween 4? Because isn't it in 4 that her, she died in a car crash, if we're going with that timeline? Probably, yeah. So yeah. I thought, I th- I thought yeah, that was I've, just kind of neat. That's the one thing or maybe I, it was just a fucking coincidence. I don't the, know. That's the one thing in H2O I can't really figure out. And maybe it's more clear. Maybe we're stupid. But, like, did four and five happen in H2O? I don't think so. From what I can I'm tell. I'm saying no. Yeah, I'm saying no as well. Because then she just fucking abandoned this fucking child. Exactly, exactly. And then now she has Josh Hart in it. So, like, it doesn't make um, sense that four and five would be included. Uh, if there is something out there that's more clear, tweet us. Right. Go Squad FM. Uh, so there's these great moments of Michael finally makes it uh, onto the campus. Um, and he starts... Uh, picking off some of the kids. And I think this is actually the biggest problem with H2O. It's a low-ass fucking body count. It is. It is. It's like legit, if we're not counting the opening scene, if we're just talking about like where the film primarily takes place, it's only like three kids. Yeah. I agree that it is like that. But I I like how small this film is because... I agree. It is solely purpose. Its sole purpose is to get to Laurie Strode versus... Michael. Michael and for her to like conquer her fear of being this traumatized basically it's like conquering her trauma and uh i think it works so incredibly well you're right it is this film isn't really a slasher um and every time i think about it i always kind of remember that like the critique on this film for a lot of people is that like it's a 2000s or late 90s slasher and it only feels like that with the kids the scenes with the kids with josh hartnett and uh, upon rewatching it they're barely in it uh, they're, they're not in it that much. Uh, they have like, yes, they have the, we all know, of course, the scenes where like, they're going to like have like a dinner or whatever. Oh, so you learn that Josh Hartnett's character has never been allowed to celebrate Halloween. Right. 
And now they're going to finally do so on this particular Halloween that Michael decides to show up on. But this movie's not even 90 minutes. It's uh, so tight. It's an hour and like 22 minutes. Um, and so I'm, my point I'm making here is it's not even that much about the kids. So like that crime that I feel like gets put on this movie a lot, that it's like a late 90s slasher with like beautiful kids and stuff. That is there, but it's minor to me. I agree. I, I um, didn't even like that thought didn't even cross my mind when me I watched it. Well, my, my point is I had heard that over the years so much. So when I'm rewatching, I'm like, oh, here we go. Here's that. You know, no, I didn't feel that at all. So um, I fucking love H2O. Um, yeah, and, and the film is sprinkled with these really terrific uh, moments. Uh, so he, there's a part where he's chasing Josh Hartnett and uh, his girlfriend, and they're locked outside uh, this gate, and they're doing their best to finally get in. I guess one of them has keys. Um, and then after the gate is another door. They drop their keys outside the gate, so they now can't get into the door. Um, that's when Lori and her new boyfriend shows up. Michael picks up the keys, gets into the gate. Lori closes the door, and then they finally see each they, other. They meet for like the first time in twenty years. Or yeah, whatever. that's a really terrific no, uh, little moment. I totally agree. This film has like a bunch of uh, I would call like setups and payoffs for like it just has great payoffs for like if you're a fan of the franchise, right? And it also has like that great. Would you mo- call it fan service? I wouldn't necessarily call it fan service. Um, the only fan it does s- just feel like the next step there is a fan service moment that i do really like and it's when janet lee is in the film and she's oh, like right. i want to give you some maternal advice but that's actually jamie lee curtis's mom, mom. Life, right. and and uh i noticed for the first time now i'm sorry if everyone already knew this about h2o but for the first time i noticed when janet lee is walking to her car and she says i want to give you motherly advice she gives the advice janet lee turns around and walks towards her car and it plays a clip from bernard herman's score from psycho but oh, like shit, very know. like okay so it's like i can't even do it but uh it's like it's not his score they like just they like slip it in there you can barely hear it but it's super cool uh that's oh, fan I service that. uh versus like the moment you're talking about which is like that's you know the franchise basically right. uh there's the part where he like lowers himself uh from the pole which is funny because they try to recreate that in, Re- in resurrection and it just fucking comes off fucking wrong yeah uh, to me um and there's a part that uh, makes me laugh uh so they have michael has finally started chasing Lori. uh Lori's like hiding in a closet maybe and i don't know if it's like a fire extinguisher or what but she like hits him over the head and he like goes to a wall and she keeps running and i think she like meets up with maybe she Josh gets them Hartnett. out of the closet they were hiding in okay. and then they run past the camera but while she's getting them out of like the cabinet they were hiding in you see him we still see Michael. And he, like, rises up. But he looks so fucking goofy doing it. No. Nah, Do you agree? It's tight. He's, like, in the wall, and then he, like, pushes himself back. And he's, like, sitting, like, fucking Indian style or something. I feel like they're going for, like, it was like whenever a he rises up. Film, right. Yeah. But it just plays out uh, really wrong to me. I, I totally understand um, what you're saying. I really like that moment. There's a scene in the cafeteria where, where she's hiding under the tables, and he's, like, ripping them up. Uh, that's great. And then, finally, the last bit where you know at this time we don't know resurrection so we just think that it's michael underneath the mask yes. and she's reaching out for help and i love how she goes to put it out yep. too and then she just fucking decapitates him yes fucking so awesome the main thing i want to talk about h2o and upon you know i love this film i've always loved this movie i rewatched it uh today actually okay and uh i liked i loved the whole movie as it was playing but there was just this moment where i felt such emotion 
uh, rewatching it and it worked like this thing worked. I've seen this movie a million times. It worked today. That particular scene or just like the whole, just having the, the whole history thing. with the characters. So this is when uh, she drives Josh Hartnett and his, and his girlfriend to the gate and she gets out and she opens the gate for him and says, you guys go without me. Right. And uh, it's giving me tingles in my spine right now, but uh, she goes, go on me. And he, they're like, no, we don't want to go without you. And she's like, just go. So they drive away. She shuts the gate, breaks busts the, the key reader or whatever. Right. And then goes over and busts this glass and grabs this axe. It's a and, great shot. And, and she it, starts walking up the hill. And when she starts walking up the hill, like the Halloween theme starts playing. And she's like walking up like super confident. I'm going to fucking kill Michael Myers. See, that's what I'm all. talking about. I love that shit. Yes. That I'm a badass. I'm a wreck. Oh, dude. Shit. Like, I know what they're doing. Like, I know what they're doing. They're trying to do that. But it works. Like, I agree. I, I felt like all this emotion. I was like, go fucking kill him. I'm with you 100%. Uh, so uh, that had me excited and scared for this next film that's coming. Because, you know, it, basically, they're, so HGO is not going to exist, right, in Correct. this film. And, you Did know. you see what he said? Like, not even, like, only the original yeah, is which going is, to exist. Yeah, which I think is weird. Are they not going to be brother and sister? I, Are they going to reestablish that? Go yeah, ahead. We don't know, yeah. Um, but the reason I say it worries me for that film is it, it you know, I don't want to say HGO is a masterpiece. But for me, it works so well on, like, Laurie Strode going to fucking kill Michael Myers. Like, I'm done with this shit. I'm not going right. to... Facing her fears, essentially. Correct. I think it works in, so well for me. I hope that they can achieve something like that in this this new film that's coming. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's a lot of responsibility. So I'm so excited, but also worried because I want them to do it well. Because uh, she's never going to do this again. I can't believe we're even getting her back for another film. I feel like it's in good hands. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so real quick on H2O, um, this was originally written as uh, a direct-to-video sequel uh, called Halloween 7. And it was called like, it had some weird name. It had nothing to do with H2O. And uh, it took place at a all-girls boarding school. And uh, it was going to be a direct-to-video sequel to Halloween 6. Was Oh, wow. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was not involved. Well, apparently on her own went and asked them about it. And all of a sudden, the entire, all the producers and everybody just like turned around and were like, you want to do it? And she's like, yeah, I want to do it for like, she, and this is what she said on the, um, on the special features on the disc. She said, I wanted to do it for the fans because I feel like they made my career. So I really wanted to give something to the fans. And so it was fucking Jamie Lee Curtis basically telling them, let's do it on her own without being asked. And uh, that was it. The whole thing turned around to H, uh, Halloween H2O. And they rewrote the script to be what it was now uh, and be about her. And apparently, like, she had influence on everything. Like, uh, you know, the script would say Lori uh, Strode would do this. And she's like, well, no, I think it should be this. So, like, she didn't just do it for money or for uh, just because she felt like she had to. Like, it's cool knowing she wanted to do this. So that's Lori Strode. And basically her end to me in the franchise so far because fuck resurrection. Right. So Halloween H2O, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's, it's so good. Yes. So I'm at number two now. All right. Well, I guess I'll do. Why don't you catch up? All right. I'll catch up. My number three. Now this is where it gets weird. Okay. My number three is Halloween three season of the witch. Nothing weird about that. Because 
you know, obviously this this movie. So I struggle with putting H2O at number three or Halloween three. And I ultimately decided Halloween three is just such a fantastic Halloween film, uh, the holiday Halloween, that I was like, all right, I'll put it above H2O, even though it's one of my favorite movies of all time, because Halloween three is so fucking awesome. Um, I think we'll talk about it again because you haven't mentioned it, um, but it's just fucking awesome. Um, and this is a newer one for me. I've seen H2O like my whole life. Halloween three, I think I, the first time I ever saw it was like four years ago, five years ago, maybe. So, um, but yeah, what is there to say about season of the witch? It's yeah, like amazing. A lot of its imagery is like the Halloween. It's very like the holiday. Those three masks specifically are like the best images of Halloween uh, of all time. I love when it's finally the night of Halloween and it's cutting to all the different cities and we're seeing all the different kids trick or treating and marrying the mask. Trick or treating, yeah. right? Yeah, that's so it's good. so great. It's so great. So um, I think we're going to talk about it in a minute. So my number yes. three is Halloween three. I'm not giving it short shrift. We're just we're going to talk about it in a minute. Um, fucking love that movie. So what is your number two? My number two is Halloween four. Wow, this is so. I love Halloween four so much. It just works uh, so well uh, for me. Um, I love how it's a direct sequel to two. You learn that he didn't die uh, in the fire. Yes. And that he's just been as institutionalized and how his whole face is wrapped from all of the, uh, from where he's been burnt. Great imagery in that at the beginning of four. Yes, yes, exactly. And he finally gets his jumpsuit, but he doesn't get the mask back yet until he breaks into that store. Oh, I forgot about that scene. Please talk about it, but I forgot. I should have. That's like my favorite scene in the whole movie. And he's just in the jumpsuit and he's still in the bandages. And that's so fucking awesome. And I love the bit when uh, Loomis tracks him down um, to the convenience store. Yes. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, like mechanic. a gas station mechanic thing. Right. Exactly. One of the classic uh, horror tropes. And there's just this amazing shot where Michael and Loomis finally notice each other. And yes. the camera like pans away. Uh, from Michael and he's still he doesn't have his mask yet and Loomis pulls out his gun and the way he's like just motionless standing there right staring at Loomis like with that fucking the bandages on his head and he's just like and, and that's what I love about that's the best Michael Myers to me is like when he's in the shadows right and he, you can see him but not perfectly and they're just like staring at each other and he's not so good my favorite line out of the entire Halloween franchise god damn you Michael and he shoots at him, but he's already fucking gone. And yeah. he like fires like multiple times. Yeah. And, and he's fucking gone. And it's sick because he says, can you just, what he says is, can you just kill me and leave those people oh, alone? Yeah. That's yeah. what he's saying. He's trying like, and it's cool because I love this franchise so much. And here Loomis is trying to like, just fucking kill me to stop your terror on these people of that town. And that's when he says, God damn you, Michael. And he tries to shoot him. So good. It's incredible. But I do want to quickly say one of the stupidest things in the entire franchise is after that, when Michael drives away, the whole gas station blows he the fuck up. He hits the fucking uh, gas pump. And, like, Loomis has to, like, dive, dive over, away. like, some debris. Nah, fuck that. I'm okay. He, he, he <laughs> barrels out of the garage in this huge fucking, no, like... No, that's tight. But it's when huge, the thing blows up. It's embarrassing to me. In, in this huge fucking, uh, like tanker or some shit yeah well yeah what do you do when you go like pick up a car uh tow truck tow truck yeah he like busts out of the garage in this huge ass tow truck hits the fucking 
uh, gas pump, it explodes. I've never had a problem with it. I think it's funny that you're saying uh, you do. I love that he busts out with the truck. I right. don't like that it blows up and Loomis has to like dive out of the way. And then he gets back up and his face is all black and he's yeah. just so distressed. Um, I love that the film eventually turns into a fucking action film. But before that, I love the moment how there's just like this fucking like hick ass fucking posse and they're going to round yes. up and they're going to stop Michael. And I love that part where there's like somebody in the bushes and they fire and they like kill one of their yeah. friends. And I forget the names, but they're like, damn it, Fred, it's Bill. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bill Wilkins. Yeah. Uh, I love that part when all of a sudden there's multiple uh, Michaels. Yes. Yes. That part is so good. It looks like they're suddenly surrounded just yes. by Michaels. Um, uh, but it's simply just kids wearing uh, the mask. For sure. There's the part where you say that you think the when they're in the house is slow. I yes. think that's very interesting. Because I disagree with you. The moment whenever, uh, I don't know if it's one of the sheriffs or if it's Jamie's older sister, she goes to like check on the sheriff guarding the door. Yes. And it's Michael sitting and, in the chair. Yes, oh, and he's I know, like I know, sitting and he's like rocking in the chair. And it's he awesome. Up. It's awesome. And I think it's that cop that he kills. The maybe, deputy. The deputy, I think the one sitting in the chair, how he grabs his like shotgun and then like fucking impels yes. him on the shotgun. And yes. then when you see him, he's like all kind of like contorted uh, up against the wall. Then they then they make it up to the roof and Michael's chasing them up yeah. on the roof like all oh, that's so fucking good and then there's the car chase with the hicks and he's climbing on the fucking uh, truck I mean maybe that's not Michael Myers behavior but I like that no, it's cool I like that it descends into what feels like action uh, to me Halloween two I like it a shit ton I like that it descends into an action Halloween film. four yeah, I'm all over the place here uh, you're fucking up big time tonight I'm on drugs I'm all fucked up <laughs> so let me quickly say you mentioned a little bit of the of the hicks you were calling them yes um upon damn it bill upon rewatching halloween 4 i love them but i like them too i like how they're killing their own fucking friends because they're dumb but let's talk about i feel like that would be think about that scene if it were in a movie today wouldn't that be such a different scene the guy wearing the red hat pulling the gun out let's go kill him i just feel like like then that scene was okay today it would be like fucked up do you know what i'm saying like yeah. basically those like hillbillies going out with a posse of guns right. i feel like it's a different context today then it was okay but All now it, would be it turns into 1840 tulsa tulsa oklahoma yes but let me tell you one of my favorite parts about the hicks is the guy says my son or daughter whatever it is was one of the people that he killed years ago oh i, I didn't catch and that. that's super cool like it's like that's why we're not going to let this happen to our town again because he killed my fucking kid. I feel like I'm nitpicking, um, but... Um, Nitpick your number two. I don't like... You know, there, there's the police station massacre. That'd be cool if we could see that. Yeah. And then just how they kind of get rid of him. How they just keep shooting him yeah. and shooting him and shooting and, and him like, until he finally falls. And that's, is it in five that they throw the dynamite? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember if it's dynamite, but in five, like he like and he like he flows like, down the river, flows down the river and gets saved, and the guy like helps him. Man, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so other than that, four is just man, it's a banger. I totally love agree. four. Totally agree. So that's my favorite of the Michael Myers led films. Wow. Uh, so my number two, before we get to our favorite of the franchises, uh, my number two is Halloween two, and yeah, that's high, G. It's, dude, it's not even a question to me. Halloween and Halloween 2 are two of my favorite horror movies and movies ever made. Um, both of these films I've spoken about a lot, so I won't go on about this. Um, I saw on an AMC marathon with my dad when I was like 
nine or 10 years old. And he, my dad acted like Michael Myers and stalked us around the house and like slow as fuck acting like he was going to kill us. It's out, you know, I've told the story before, so I'm just, I'm, I'm quickly going through it, but, uh, we watched both of these films and I was terrified of Michael Myers as a kid. Uh, these movies scared the shit out of me. Um, it wasn't until later, of course, when I grew up that I saw the rest. So Halloween one and two are special to me and Halloween two, you know, the biggest thing I can say about it now as a film is that it's shot by Dean Cundey and it's shot, you know, two, three, five or two, three, nine, uh, wide aspect ratio. And he uses all of the frame in every scene. There's so many scenes where like someone will be all the way to the left of the frame and Michael will like, like, I don't know if you remember when, um, there's like, he like breaks into that house or whatever. I think he gets a knife. I think that's where he gets his knife in the film. I don't remember. Uh, but like that lady's like watching TV. Oh yeah. 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 And like, she's all the way on the left side of the frame, but you can see him. The frame is so long. You can, you see him walk in behind her and like, just stare like forward. He is so still the shape and evil in this film. And he's, he's, you know, this is before he's like a slasher icon. He's still just Michael Myers killing people. And this film feels like, you know, more of, are you ready? More of the night he came home. And, and I love that. Exactly what it is. Yeah. And so to me, these films have always, I, I don't think people think of it like it doesn't sound like you do as one thing, but for the longest time in my life, these were one thing, Halloween, Halloween two. So I can see why you say that. Yeah. So I absolutely love it. I love like the kill where he gets, he kills the nurse and like chokes her or whatever. Like it's so good. And like he, uh, whenever his eyes get poked out and the, uh, the blood comes down his mask, Halloween two, you don't have much to say about it. So I will stop. I love Halloween two so fucking much because the way it looks, the way it's more the night he came home feels like a direct sequel to Halloween one. It It's not directed by Carpenter, but because it's shot by Dean Cundey, it looks and feels exactly like the first film. Of course, not as good, but incredible. I love him stalking around the hospital. To me, that's terrifying. It's so dark. It's so scary. Halloween two. Love that film. Eric Hoff. What is your number one? My favorite Halloween film. And it's not just my one of my favorite horror films. It's one of my favorite movies. Period is Linda. <laughs> Linda. Shut up, Linda. Shut up, shut up, Linda. I'm talking about Halloween three, season of the witch. Eight more days till Halloween. 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 Eight more days till. One Halloween. reason to love uh, the film is that fucking London Bridge is falling down. Absolutely. Uh, theme uh for the silver shamrock uh company i remember first time i watched this film i was sick as a fucking dog but i e-dog was sick as a dog e-dog was sick as a dog i was sick dog and i managed to get the strength to go to hastings our once local video store rip and i rented a bunch of the halloween sequels because at the time i had not seen them this is probably seven years ago now eighth grade maybe fairly young 10 years um, longer than that. And, um, for 90 minutes, man, did I feel better? Cause I was just having a blast, uh, <laughs> yeah. With Halloween, um, the reason of the witch. Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, the reason it's so goddamn good is Tom Atkins. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a fun idea. Like that's a pretty fucking sinister idea. Um, but I feel like Colonel Cochran his motivation is a little loopy and I kind of lose it actually there. Yeah. In the film. I like that. It's like tied into like 
old Halloween rituals. Yeah, Samhain and, and all that. Right, exactly. And this is why uh, I'm doing that. But Tom Atkins is just one of my favorite actors ever. I love seeing him just on this mission trying to solve um I love that he mystery. has sex with the girl for like no reason. That he just met. You yeah. Know, uh, if you want, I can go and sleep out in the car. Where do you want to sleep, doctor? You know, that's a stupid question. <laughs> like, that's just so, like, it's fucking bullshit. good. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, we've discussed just the imagery in the film, uh, the masks. Uh, Great ending. Great ending to this film. Oh, yes. It's um, so, so fucking good. And Children in Peril is something that the Ghoul Squad loves in the film. And uh, this has, you know, the great scene of the kid in front of the TV wearing the mask and he fucking bugs it's, and snakes. Yeah, melts on his head or yeah. something. Um, I was fortunate enough to watch this film a few years ago uh, at a uh, draft house in Lubbock on 35. Lubbock, Texas. Yes, uh, on 35 millimeter. And, I'm super jealous. Um, gosh, shut up, Linda. It was so fucking good. I, I love Halloween 3. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's, you know, it, it quickly became a yearly event. You know, I haven't even, I haven't watched it yet this year because I'm waiting for it to be closer to Halloween because this and trick or treat are my main event. Um, Tommy Lee Wallace. Oh yeah. Tommy Lee Wallace is fucking incredible. He directed uh, the it, uh, miniseries. miniseries and as well as so many other good things. Fright night two, which I haven't seen in forever, but interestingly, I found my VHS copy today. Now you don't have a VCR to play. Now, it I with. don't have a VCR, but. We'll get there. All right. So yeah, uh, my favorite Michael Myers-led film is part four, but my favorite film out of the Halloween franchise is Season of the Witch. Keegan, please tell us what your favorite Halloween film is from the franchise. Okay. So uh, I've talked a lot about this film. We just recently did our John Carpenter, top five John Carpenter films. So I spoke at length recently about the original Halloween, but here we are. My number one film in the franchise, my number one, uh, you know, as of recently, when people ask me what's my favorite horror movie, I've never been able to answer that question, and I still don't really think I can. I'm going Night of the Living Dead. But the only thing that I can say as a definitive, you know what, that is probably my favorite, is Halloween. So the original Halloween is just an unquestionable masterpiece from the master of horror, John Carpenter and Dean Cundy shooting this thing. Uh, just so goddamn good. And I just love every moment of Michael Myers stalking. I love whenever he has the ghost sheet on him. Uh, all Bob. the Bob, all the imagery in this film. I love even PJ souls. Totally, totally, totally. I know it's ridiculous, but I fucking love it. Um, real quick. Let's go back to Halloween two for a second. One of my favorite parts of that movie is, uh, Ben Tramer is killed in that movie and he's wearing a, a Michael Michael Myers Myers mask. mask. And you can buy that car. You can actually buy a Ben Tramer mask from trick or treat studios. I think that's what they're called. What's it look like? Uh, it's a little, it's colored a little differently. Uh, but it's a Ben Tramer mask, but it's actually Halloween. But, um, you know, I just love everything about this film. The, the, you know, it's, it's hard to explain because what I love is like the stalking force of nature that Michael Myers is and the filmmaking in this film portrays it like none other, you know, the only thing I can think of it does it similarly is it follows because he was influenced by this film you know, the tracking shots, the, you know, he drives up in the car and they say, you know, fuck off or whatever. And he drives away and then stops. Speed kills. Speed kills, asshole. 
the fact that she's a babysitter trying to take care of the kids, the fact that there's kids in peril, you know, she's trying to, and I love Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, trying to protect them, you know, and, and she just said, she gives such an earnest performance that like the sequels have similar characters to this, but they're just kind of, they're just like acting. I feel like that Jamie Lee Curtis is Laurie Strode in Halloween. It's probably cause it's like her best movie to me, but that's Jamie Lee Curtis to me is that character. So such an earnest performance and then just, you know, crazy imagery at the end. I'm wearing a shirt right now of Michael busting through the closet, trying to get her. It's just like, I've never forgotten that in my whole life. I've never forgotten when she thinks she, that he's dead. And be again, because of the Dean Cundy, the way it's shot, because it's such a wide frame, you see him rise up in the background. Like those images are burned in my head. I talk about this a lot. It's like they happened. It's like, that's a real thing in real life that I know it's a movie, but you know, whenever he, when Michael Myers falls out of the second floor and, uh, thank you for that, Eric, uh, when he falls off the second floor, you know, he's dead. But then at the end they look over the ledge and he's gone and the score hits that when I was a kid, that terrified me more than anything else. Just knowing that he's, he's out, out there. he's out there, but we don't know where he is or what he's doing or anything. Like he's he's still out there and he could show up in any moment and kill you. I find that profound. And I, I think I'll just end this with the score, obviously. I mean classic. You know, there's nothing that holds a candle to it, at least in the horror genre. <laughs> I watched this on Halloween a couple of years ago, and I literally just turned it up as loud as I could get it, just so, you know. Like, it's just the best score in the fucking world. So uh, I think I'll leave it here, right? So Halloween, one, you know, probably my favorite horror movie of all time. You know, I think top five best horror movies of all time. And that is our lists. Not too wildly different. Not too wildly different. I, I, I was surprised that we both had Halloween 5 at 8. That... When you said your eight was Halloween five, I was like, yes, because I was concerned because I think people like that movie a lot more than we do. Interesting that you didn't have two on your list at all because you couldn't get through it. Uh, the, right. the remake. Sorry, the remake too. But yeah, let's run down so, our list. So the revelations that I personally had rewatching these films was I did not like the remake as much as I remember. And I liked part two much more. Yeah, I remember. And I think for me, mine is uh, Halloween 6. I think that's the biggest revelation for me. Um, I really like that producer's cut. I don't want to imply that it's like my favorite movie of all time or anything, but I think it was, you know, it's the biggest revelation for me making this list and of late is I really like that movie. Um, You know, I've always loved 4, H2O is one of my favorite movies of all time, 2 and 1, but 6, it rose up. It's I think it's better than the remake, 5 the remake sequel resurrection um where did you have resurrection five okay let's run down our list before we get out of here from least favorite to favorite that's right i've got the remake uh halloween six and then the producer's cut five resurrection part two the original h2o part four and then season of the witch as my favorite fantastic movie I've got uh, my number 10 is Halloween Resurrection. My number nine is uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. My number eight is Halloween 5. My number seven is the Halloween remake. My number six is Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, the producer's cut. My number five is Halloween 4. My number four is Halloween H2O. My number three is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. My number two is Halloween 2, the original sequel. And 
My number one is, of course, John Carpenter's Halloween. And I think that concludes this episode of the Ghoul Squad podcast. Eric has to get to dinner. Dinner that uh, he is now late for. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it. Where can you find us on social media? On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at Ghoul Squad F. M. Yes, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much to at the Horror Nerd Brian, as well as Chris Lentz, FilmFed, FilmFed.com. Uh, they both left it left us reviews late, recently on iTunes, so thank you so much for those. Buy a shirt, uh, bit.ly slash shirt, or you could go to tpublic.com and type in ghoulsquad in the search bar. It'll show up. I think that's pretty much it. Right here at the end, before we say goodbye, what do you think our next episode could be? We don't, we don't know yet. I'm just right, saying. Right. Uh, uh, Shane Saw just commented, top 10 VHS cover art. So who knows? <laughs> we could indulge Mr. Shane Saw Masker. Um, so I think that's it for this episode. I, I genuinely have no idea. I don't either. Well, thank you very much uh, for listening. If you have ideas for our next episode, you know, like a director or... We would love uh, suggestions. You know, we will be doing, uh, you know, we'll rank the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise eventually. I want to do all the big ones. Yeah. So Nightmare. We, fuck God. Let's even torture ourselves and, want, and do Hellraiser. I will not be doing Hellraiser. No, I'll do it if you want. I'll do it if you want, Doc. But uh, yeah, so we will be doing those, but that won't be our next episode because no. it's you know quite a bit to watch. Uh, boohoo, we have to watch horror movies. Oh, no. E-Dog just wants to ride a skateboard. Yes. E-Dog wants to be a pro skater. I want to be a pro podcaster. Not true. I N- just, not true for I me I just either. think it's fun. Oh, and let's not forget to wish our listeners a happy Halloween. Yes. Thank you so much for recommending that. Happy yeah. Halloween to everybody out there. Yep. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and enjoy Ghouls You Back Off by one Mr. Eric Hoffman's and his band, Prom Night Girls. Maybe one uh, episode of Terror Tunes, I'll just do Prom Night Girls. That'd be fun. That'd be cool. Do a history on myself. Maybe we should do like top five Jamie Lee Curtis films. That'd be cool. How about we do top five titties in movies? That'd oh, be great. Okay. Well, I think that is the end of the podcast. Yep. Now Enjoy. On. Ghouls You Back Off. Yep. Goodbye. Good night. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. See you later. Shit. <laughs>